Let's get it going. It's time to get up. For the win. And Justin Tucker has done it for Baltimore. These guys are here to break it all down. I do know that Vancouver has been in and out on Hamannick, and they were very interested in Hamannick um, before uh, they acquired Nate Schmidt. I, I still think they remain interested in Hamannick, but they probably don't have the flexibility. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This whining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Good morning, Vancouver. It is December 15th. No whining this morning unless you walk outside. I just did with the dog and go, wow, really? Here we go again. I'll wake up to some rain. Perry Solkowski along with Bick Nazar, who's filling in this week. Bick, I mean, we heard the field goal of the Monday nighter, which ostensibly that's it. That's how you win the game. But my, you love your NFL. You heard Chris Wall going, maybe the greatest ever. I don't know about the hyperbole, but Damn, that was a football game to watch last night, hey? It's in the conversation, man. It's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, you heard the field goal. I feel like I've forgotten the whole game already. There was so much packed into that game last night. It had a little bit of everything, not just the 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 touchdowns and the high scoring. It, it was drama uh, personified last night. It's funny. Social media after that, you just find out who needs to go to Gamblers Anonymous. <laughs> all these all these people on Twitter, nothing to say other than 4.1. I have a 4.5. I had three. Never in my life did you think that was going to happen. And I'm not saying I wasn't with some of them going, wow, I didn't even play out that scenario. But uh, it was uh, it was something. We'll get into it a little bit more. But an awful lot of fun and then a lot of talk of them. Hmm. All right, what was wrong with Lamar Jackson? How does he appear uh, just in time? Not like we haven't had a story like that here around Vancouver in a big playoff game. I don't think that was the case. Uh, you heard the fact that uh, Elliot, and, and we'll hear from Elliot in a little bit here, um, Travis Hamannick maybe in a conversation. I think there's a lot of conversations going on, including between the NHL and the NHLPA right now. But as... <laughs> Vic, we wake up this morning. We appreciate you getting up early again and go, okay, what has changed? I think that's kind of the case as we sit here and look at this potential January 3rd training camp. All right. Well, what's changed since yesterday? Good thing is we're not hearing anything, and it does sound like sides are talking. I've always subscribed to the theory that uh, no news around deadlines is good news because, you know, why would anyone leak anything out if they're too busy talking? They're too busy working. So I'm taking – the lack of communication at times or the lack of um, noise as a good sign that, hey, you, you build towards a resolution. Uh, the, the last thing you want in, in, in you know, times like these when you're getting towards a deadline, as we know, you know if, if you, if you want to make a January 1st training camp, you're going to have to start quarantining here pretty soon. So if, if, if either side was leaking stuff out for social media posturing or media posturing, that would be a bit concerning. So we're, we're in a stage right now where it feels like, yeah, talks are happening. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of days, we start to get a clearer picture of what uh, the 2021 NHL season might look like. So many questions still need to be asked. Mm -hmm. I, I, am, I am of the same mindset for you. I don't want to be reading all these leaks. If you're going to use social media for, for posturing as to what you think, then, then run for president. Um, another thing we can deal with, and we'll, we'll talk to Todd Bertuzzi at seven o'clock about where the mindset is for some of these players as they seem to gather. And then Dan Murphy will join us at eight o'clock. Um, 
You love your list. 38th best player in the NHL resides in Vancouver, you think? Yes or no? Uh, unless that person is Quinn Hughes, maybe. Uh, certainly not Elias Pedersen, like NHL.com said so. You know, you've so you're taking every every team has that's one player on every team and a couple a couple extra. I I I think it fits for me. The difficulty I have with it, and we were just talking off air. Would you take Melkin over Pedersen? It's so much of it is resume when you deal with some elite 32, 33 old potential Hall of Famers. You know, who to me don't have as much gas in the tank they may for one game. But to me, at, at 38, Pedersen is fine. I think it'll be, you know, we have it next year. I think you could be in a top 20. But for what he's done, I mean, we do forget. There were some times where he disappeared a little bit last year during the regular season, and that was fine. We're going, hey, he's only a sophomore. You think what? He's a, he's a top 20 player? Top 30? Yeah, I would put him in the top 20. I'd love to hear what people think as well. 650, 650. Because here's the underlying thought. I think when people got... Re- you know, reactionary to it yesterday. They get fired up. They text into Reach D. They text into the program yesterday when the list came out. If Leas Pedersen played like the 38th best player last year, or if he plays like the 38th best player this upcoming year, then the Canucks don't make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs last year. They don't make the playoffs li- this year. They aren't even in the conversation for the playoffs. And I think that kind of deep-seated thought went into people when they reacted yesterday. They're like, no, no, no. He's definitely better than the 38th best player in the league. And he was voted 16th for Hart Trophy last year. It's been recognized what type of performance he is. And we're still on the ascension of his career. He's playing like a top 20 player. Otherwise, the Canucks wouldn't be close to this, you know, making that top 16 team group that goes on to compete for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you know, lists are always, you know, it, it's so tough to debate them because you're wondering, well, well, what do you want from this list? What what are you looking for? Uh, are you sitting with the uh, with the thought process of, um, okay, I just, I just want a big D-man to look hmm. at something like that, right? Or are you looking at, well, where, where are people going as far as, uh, you know, do you, you, you want that all-around player? Do you want that guy that you need to score a goal? And so Pedersen is your guy. You know, when you look at who he's surrounded by, is he better than Steven Stamkos? I guess we're basing that on on really Stammers, you know, hasn't been healthy. So if you're basing on last year, yes. Kachuk, well, a lot of people would love him in the lineup, but Matthew Kachuk is great, but you're going to go, well, who's going to score all the goals? You know, natural mm-hmm. skill. I do think he's he would be more effective than a Dougie Hamilton. And Dougie Hamilton is the 37th. Steven Stamkos the 39th. So if you're just joining us, going, well, why am I bringing those names up? Those are the bookends beside Elias Pettersson. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, how much did we talk about him, that he was going to be the guy that had to be stopped in that St. Louis series? But the comparison wasn't Pettersson to O'Reilly. The comparison was Bo Horvat, and Bo got the better of him. So it's – I don't know if – like I, I'm not offended by it. Want to know what you are? It's our it's our poll question there. Are you offended that Pedersen's the 38th best player in the league? To your point, Bick, and then there's some validity to it. If you're getting heart trophy votes, doesn't that mean you're in the conversation as one of the best? And to be fair to Ryan O'Reilly, I'd also consider him slighted in this list as well. I'd, I'd have him close to that 20 mark. It, it's a guy who's won the Conn Smythe Trophy. He's clearly shown his impact on the game. Uh, I'm not sure the rest of the St. Louis Blues uh, were up to par in that series versus the Canucks, and perhaps that's why they were eliminated. But he showed his value in that series, dominating periods from time to time. Uh, 
the thing with Patterson, it's you know, I see what you're getting at is you know sometimes he faded away this this past year, but he didn't go more than three games without getting a point, right? So he, he was always yeah. impacting the score sheet, and we know his value is greater than just goals and assists. There's this worry. It's like, all right, is is he ever going to be that elite goal scorer? Well, he's very selective with the shooting, and he's he's very good at. It. He's always going to hover around. 25 to 35 goals in his career because he's very accurate, very selective, and just very clever. And I got a general rule that, uh, you know, any problem in life, business, sports, whatever, you put smart people together, they'll figure it out. And Elias Pedersen's smart on the ice. You you see throughout the course of the season, you know, people try throwing multiple four checkers at him or, or multiple defenders at him, and he figures it out. He figured it out all throughout the course of the season. Figures it out in the Vegas series or the St. Louis series as well. And to to say to suggest there's thirty seven more impactful players in the NHL right now uh, is so misguided to me because he's already in the top twenty conversation. It, yeah, you can't compare resumes because he's only one hundred and thirty some odd games in, but as far as whose output is higher right now, it's Elias Pettersson well over a bunch of other NHLers. I, you know, he, he showed a little bit more of a social media game in the last three months, right? So you know, and I completely agree, he's a smart player. His work ethic is unquestioned. But, you know, he probably looked at that yesterday. I said, really? It reminds me of a scene that he had with Brock Besser when they were at the, an ice and dice a couple of years ago, and the two were just standing and getting pictures with Canuck fans, and they had a mic on both of them. So there's some fun exchanges, and, and Pedersen was still, you know, what, he's, he's four months into to being the rookie here and getting all its attention, but Brock was jibing him and going, eh, Leo Pedersen's not much of a hockey player. And, uh, you know, his quick remark was said, no one ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Exactly, right? This guy exudes confidence inside, so I could see him just hanging up on really thirty-eight, huh? Hey, really? look for for Canucks fans. I know there's an immediate reaction to it. It's like, oh, how could you be so wrong? Technically, you're right. This is great news, right? Like, I, I want to see that on Elias Pettersson's locker, just print out. I want to see that as his lock screen on his phone. It's just your number thirty-eight. The NHL views you as the thirty-eighth best player. That's great news. You want every little bit of motivation heading to this season. Hopefully, we get a season. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly that's exactly his his take on it. Go, hmm, that's what you like. You you want to find that motivation. You go to Mike Tomlin, you know, when his football team was still undefeated, and he's gone. No, we're playing like junior varsity. We've got to be that much better. Uh, and you find whatever motivation you can. I don't think Patterson needs it, but thank you very much. He's going to NHL, oh, NHL Network. Sure, thirty-eight. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see exactly uh, where I sit. Then you may as well watch this. Uh, let's get into a few more things. Oh, you know what? Let's continue this conversation right now with a man whose opinion we certainly will take. Jeff Merrick joins us this morning from out east. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, hello, Perry. Hello, Vic. You guys getting the outrage machine going this morning? Oh, listen, it's raining out. We're counting down the days to the holidays. We don't know what's going on, so why not get everyone out? The Church of Peterson's already on me on the text. Good morning, Church of Peterson. I'm sorry if I've offended you. Um, What do you think? I mean, lists lists are great to debate. Would you put them at the 38th spot, Jeff? Not a a chance. Uh, Not a a chance. To me, he's a top 15 player in the NHL going away. This guy is going to be... You know, one of the most dominant players in the NHL for uh, for a long time. Um, I, I tend to not really get upset about lists a, a whole lot. I mean, okay, well, that's how they feel. That's how they feel. Um, I think it's wrong. I think it's flat out wrong. Like, I look at it this way, Perry. Like, when you make a make a list 
um, and Vic, make, make your own list as well here, guys. How many players in the NHL would you pay money just to watch? Like, just to go watch that player. Uh, mm-hmm. My list would have, you know, Nathan McKinnon, would have Connor McDavid, uh, would have Jack Eichel, um, would have Victor Hedman, and would have Elias Pettersson and probably Jack Hughes on it as well. Or uh, uh, probably I'd put both Hughes brothers uh, on there as well. I think Quinn is just spectacular and already one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Um, but to me, Elias Pettersson is, is in that handful of players that you would single-handedly pay money just to go watch. So he's got an elite skill set. Like every time I watch, listen, you guys watch all the games. I watch as many as I can. Every time I watch the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Pettersson does something that I've never seen before or puts a twist mm-hmm. on something or, or wiggles his way out of a situation or makes a great play or reminds us that the slap shot is still very much alive in the NHL and, and has a place in it. I don't know. To, to me, he's a, he's a top 15 guy knocking on the door of top 10 um, where the NH, where NHL network has him is way too low, but I just can't get, I just can't get outraged about it, but it's off. It's way off. I, 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 I tried doing a quick list in my head and I came out to about 17. So I'm about in the ballpark where you are, but you're right. It, it's, the, the, the price of admission way of looking at it is great because I think there's you know, great players also around the league. But part of this is also like his overall impact. He he, he does things on the ice that sometimes you got to watch it in person to see his overall impact on the game, how he you know, controls the game at his pace at times rather than just it, it's more than just points that you would see on TV. And he's slippery and you say to yourself, OK, how is he going to get out of this situation? Like one of the. um. I remember uh, watching Mitch Marner in his, in, his, in his draft year when he was playing with the London Knights. And one scout that I talked to brought up a great point. I think, I think about it in relation to Elias Pettersson now, this same quote. He said that, you know, Mitch Marner doesn't make the right play. Mitch Marner makes the better play. Mitch Marner makes that play where you, you say to yourself, what is he doing? Oh, he's messing this up. And then turns it into something you never even considered. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I should just shut up here and let him play. That's kind of what I see with Elias Pettersson. Like, how many times, guys, have you seen Elias Pettersson in a situation and you kind of say, okay, what is he doing in this situation? Okay, that's not what were you – oh, wow. Okay, now I, now I see that. Like, thinking at a completely different level and players can think that way, but to have the ability to, to pull it off at high speed is another. And I'll tell you what, the other thing, honestly, too, is I mean, he, as you guys well know, like he's slight. Like you look at him out there and you say, mm-hmm. this guy's going to get wrecked, but he doesn't. Like he's a slippery player. He's a creative player. He's like dynamic. Like the honest thing, there's everything, everything good in a forward you have in Elias Pettersson outside of the physicality. And that's not really much of a thing anymore in the NHL. Anyhow, this guy is your, your, your new age, new wave forward. Um, and he's a gem, and he's going to be expensive one day. So cherish, you know, cherish one of the great gifts that hockey has given the Vancouver Canucks, and that's Elias Pettersson on an entry-level contract. Yeah, I, I certainly would look like I didn't mind where he was placed. I kind of disagree, but it's you know, if we're going to talk entertainment value, oh, give me top ten without a heartbeat. I don't think I'm not entertained by Ryan O'Reilly or Jonathan Taves. 
um, or Mark Shifley. But when you go, hey, all-around hockey player right now, they're not bad, so we'll see where they fit. Um, you know, I, I want to get into this, Jeff, because you're, you're so in tune with everything that goes on in the NHL, but also when the CHL, we were having a discussion before we came on the air, and I said, boy, it's going to be strange because I, I don't know if you have any crystal ball that figures out when we might see junior hockey other than the tournament that's about to happen. But I do yeah. look at some guys, and there's a local guy here in Vancouver from Port Moody, Kent Johnson, who's lighting it up in Michigan in his oh. first year after a year in the BCHL. And I go, okay, if it's your draft year and you're playing college hockey, at least scouts are seeing you. When are you going to see yeah. junior players? Is that going to be the difficulty whenever we get going again? Oh, boy. There's a lot there. Okay, so first of all, I'll tell you what, Perry. Like, there are a lot of people that keep telling me they're not even sure we're going to see junior hockey, you know, outside of the, the WJC at all this yeah. season. Like, that is, that, that is very much a reality. The QMJHL has been shut down uh, after they started, and that was a stop-and-start situation uh, initially with the teams from Quebec, but then eventually with the Maritime teams as well. Um, and, you know, the Western Hockey League probably looking, if they can, to get going right around the same time that the OHL is looking, which is around February the 4th. But even then, some people are saying it's a stretch. And how many teams are going to be able uh, to afford to open the doors if they can't open the doors and, and bring in fans? And then that leads to, you know, the scouts dilemma of, you know, how do you do our ranking uh, for this season outside of, you know, some of the guys, you know, that, that you mentioned and you throw a guy like Owen Power, the defenseman at Michigan, who may end up being the first overall pick. Like the, the whole thing um, is just is just a flat out mess. And uh, last week there was a there was a governor's call in the OHL um, and they were talking about how to do their draft. And, you know, how do you, how you rank in these kids? How do we do a draft? If we don't have a season, what's the order of the draft? Like all of this is, is top of mind and underscores, you know, the fact that, you know, how can we rank players? How can we evaluate players for this season, their draft season, whether it's, you know, for, uh, for any type of CHL draft or any kind of NHL draft, when really we haven't seen them. And even the ones that we have seen, have we really seen them play best on best with their peer group? The whole thing mm -hmm. is a mess, and no one really knows how it's going to get sorted out. Um, I don't know whether they're going to play, the, the juniors are going to play this year at all. Um, no one has really whispered anything about a Memorial Cup this year. You know, the two cities that were vying for the Memorial Cup because the shifts to the OHL this year uh, was Sault Ste. Marie and Oshawa, and we haven't heard a peep about either one right now. So I don't know. Uh, I initially, I wasn't skeptical about a, a, a season in the, the Western League, the OHL and you know the QHL coming to some type of completion. But as the days go on, Perry, I become more and more skeptical that we're going to see it. Well, what's strange to me too, Jeff, is like we've heard, you know, whispers of NHL owners, you know, being hesitant into wanting to resume play. And we're talking the professional yep. level. It's fair to wonder, as admirable as I think it is that junior hockey wants to get relaunched here, but it's fair to wonder, you know, despite the culture of the sport, you know, being woven into the fabric of our country, it's it, it's a different reality that they're going to have to overcome certain obstacles because they're not professional. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here, here's, here's the other question out of all of it. We just saw the Poland Winter Hawks sale. And we saw the price tag attached to the Portland Winterhawks. I mean, powerhouse franchise. I mean, 
listen, this is not lost on you guys, West. I mean, you've had, you know, two of the elite level powerhouse teams in the Western League that have been sold, the Brandon Weekings and the Portland Winterhawks. You know, does that wink or nod at any type of reality for other junior hockey franchises across this country? Now, I remember speaking to one uh, owner in the Quebec League at the beginning of the season, and we're sort of projecting what this thing could look like and not getting going, and if we get going, if we have to stop, and how much is it going to cost? Is it going to be any sort of provincial uh, bailouts uh, for any of these leagues? And he said, look, like, we're fully expecting – some teams at the end of the season just to say I'm out like I don't know how many teams are going to end up getting sold but if you're on the fence about selling your franchise this may just push you over and we've seen a lot of NHL players you know kicking tires uh, on teams Drew Doughty has talked about it publicly before Tyler Sagan's name has been attached at various times PK Subban's name has been out there for players you know who went through the junior system in Canada uh, and are interested in, in, in buying a junior hockey franchise, this could be the time. Because I think mm-hmm. that you know, there's a lot of things sort of conspiring against a lot of CHL owners right now, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's various lawsuits, uh, whether it's you know the complete now devaluation uh, of a lot of junior hockey franchises. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, guys, if at the end of the season, we see a lot of teams changing hands at very, how shall we put this politically, um, market corrected prices. How about that for your catchphrase of the day? Well, and you know what, you can. I, I completely agree with you. And I, you know, we know junior hockey; it's so woven into the fabric of our country. It will bounce back, but it probably got ahead of itself and was kind of run like some pro franchises. Some of them. Before we let you go, Jeff Mark Jones, this this morning on the starting lineup. Um, let's keep the money thing. I mean, I think there's NHL team accountants right now and capologists going, I don't know how we're figuring this out. We just don't have any room. There's still a lot of good hockey players, Jeff, on the sidelines looking for contracts. Are they going to be sitting there when the pucks drop simply because of of cap issues that face so many teams right now? Uh, Maybe, but I don't think so. Like, it, it seems as if, you know, after Taylor Hall, Find that deal with the Buffalo Sabres, the forward market, and you can maybe even make the argument that it had already cratered a couple of days before, but it seemed like the forward free agent market in the NHL kind of vanished or at least shrunk um, for some of the more expensive guys. And we're thinking of Mike Hoffman right off the bat. Um, so I, I think, you know, once we get a, a, an announcement from the NHL and the Players Association, and we, we should probably expect that, you know, as early as sometime, maybe even later on this week, I think you're going to start to see some teams uh, get some activity rolling, um, namely the Tampa Bay Lightning, who <laughs> are in this salary cap Gordian knot. Um, but I, 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 I still do think that by the time all is, is said and done, before we get to camps, you know, players like Travis Hamannick, Sammy Vatten, and uh, Mike Hoffman, these types of players, uh, will have homes. Uh, I just, I'm just not so sure that it's going to be at the prices uh, that they would have hoped when they entered free agency. Interesting times. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate it. I hope you're all set for the holidays. Stay safe, and let's hope we, we all get a little gift of here's officially when they start when January rolls around. Yeah, but I'd love to watch some NHL, uh, NHL hockey in the new year. Thanks, you guys. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks for having me on. There's Jeff Merrick. Who has Pedersen in the top 10, essentially? 
Smart uh, guy that Jeff Merrick have always said. Well, but Vic, there's there's the difference between uh, entertaining and complete hockey player. And I'm not saying Pedersen's not on his way to being both. But I mean, would did, did you ever at any point? And and I guess it's not possible in this city. You never go to watch the Blackhawks to watch Jonathan Taves. You're entertained by Patrick Kane. Oh yeah, and 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 doing my list here, I put Patrick Kane in my top twenty. And so it's, I, I do like that mechanism though of of using entertainment as a way you you do it. Because look, th- these lists are designed for fans, and who are the people that are paying to you know to walk in through that gate? It's the fans, and and they're the ones that can look at it and be like, oh, he's the one I would spend my money on. It's the holiday season. Make a list. Uh, you don't even have to check it twice. Check it thirty times because you're not going anywhere. That's the world we live in. In uh, 2020, when we return, Elliot Friedman talking, you heard Jeff Merrick, Hamannick, Canucks, possible? We'll give you those details. 624 in the home of hockey, the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 6.30 on 6.50. Paris Sikorsky, Vic Nazar with us uh, all week long. Seaball, uh, I'd say, out about on holidays. He's sleeping right now. And maybe he'll go to the backyard and then he'll just go back in his house. As we all should, everybody, as uh, we continue to battle on. Todd Bertuzzi, as always, on a Tuesday morning, will join us at 7 o'clock. Bert, I think, Vic, is actually on an RV trip. Might have to confirm that with our producer. Isn't that a summer thing? It's uh winter time yeah you know listen uh i'm not gonna say he didn't take a couple of shots upside the head i think he had to go pick up his daughter and said he was taking an rv trip to nashville we'll get clarification oh that's classy that's great (laughs) i just don't see the big man in an rv i see him more on the side of the road going i don't know what i'm supposed to do with it so uh we'll figure that out hey poll question this morning getting an awful lot of traction here based on the fact that the nhl network says uh, the young man who wears number 40 in a Canuck jersey is the 38th best player in the NHL. Bick, we gave our listeners some options. Do they agree with that assessment of Elias Pettersson's skills? 28.4% of the people are wild and out. Uh, they have him as outside of the top 20. Uh, so that's uh, the minority. Oh. 51.8% of the people are saying at between 11 and 20. And uh, 19.9% say between uh, 1 and 10. So overwhelmingly, top 20 player in the NHL, Perry. Get on board with this. I, I'm going to convince you by, by 9 o'clock. He, he, you know, he's hanging out at that 18, 19, 20 mark. You know, you look at every other, you go to New York, okay, Panarin. Like, you go to every, mm-hmm. you, you, see, see, it depends. So if I'm going to Montreal, am I going, well, you, you know, is Carey Price part of this conversation? You know, if Shea Weber, if he's going to play like that, I'd go, I, I want Shea Weber. Do I want him now? Am I going to choose Shea Weber or Carey Price over Pedersen? No. I want Pedersen to be part of my organization for the next 10 years. So it's resume and current, the, the difficulties we have with lists. But uh, get on it, have a vote. I, at least we don't have everybody going, he's a top 10 player. Let's be realistic here, people. He's getting there. We could have this conversation in a year's time. He may be there. Uh, first, we need hockey. And uh, Elliot Friedman was on our sister station in Calgary. Uh, it's been quiet, and that's a good thing. Quiet 
as far as insiders, quiet as far as here's what's happening. Uh, Elliot describing things as follows. I just think it's a lot of grinding away. And plus we've got this moving target here, right? You know, um, you know, you want to start January 13th. I mean, God only knows if we're going to be able to. I think the hubs are becoming, you know, one of the things I think the NHL was told is, you know, we understand when you want to start, but you're going to be starting right in the teeth of this thing, Pat. Um, if you look at the projections for the next two months, you know, how many good stories, optimistic stories did we see today about, you know, the first people getting the vaccine and what that could mean for a few months down the road. But the next two months could be really ugly. You know, Bick, it's interesting. There's obviously a pressure point on both sides. But if you listen to everything Dr. Henry has said and, and just, you know, telling people just I know it's going to be a tough holiday season, but try and stay at home and don't visit. It usually takes a couple of weeks and you see these numbers. Do you think NHL offices in every state and or province are looking? And if you're seeing some outrageous numbers, uh, you know, as we get to early January, because it was the holiday season and you give it 10 days to, to escalate. Do you think the NHL feels pressure as the players to go, you've got to play on the 13th where they go, Hey, we want to buy an extra week. Let's start in the 20th. I would imagine the NHL is very cognizant of regulations, case statuses uh, across Canada specifically, right? Don't want to get too yeah. much into the States because of how much looser things are. Uh, but you got to be very aware of, of what's happening and what are you and are you not able to do? And that changes by province. But this is the NHL's job, right? It's create as many models as possible. When you get to the deadline, it's like, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. And we saw that transpire in the spring. It's you know, we, we were through the process of in April. It's like, okay, let's just see what our reality looks like in May. And then May was, okay, maybe we can come back by June. And June, it was, well, July. And then July, it's like, okay, August is when we'll start actually playing again in these bubbles. And, and that's how we'll pull this off. As this goes for the next you know week here, I imagine we're going to hear more about different plans. And, and you heard Elliot there. I, I don't know if bubbles are anyone's ideal plan here, but it's something that you're going to have to be aware of, of that this this could be a reality, whether it's just a, a fly-in, fly-out type bubble, whatever the reality is. It's just you're, you're going to have to be flexible. And that's one thing the NHL did a great job of in the return to play during the summer is their plan and the lead-up to it was all very flexible. The, when you're able to keep options open, you're allowed to explore more. They didn't close any doors on themselves. That's what I want to see moving forward here. I remember the first day of, uh, you know, we'll call it training camp when they finally gathered to get set for the summertime and Travis Green telling the media on the Zoom call this. And the one thing I said to the players, this is going to be fluid. We don't know what mm -hmm. we're getting into. And, and let's hear from Elliot because you mentioned it, Bick. And I think for the last month when we'd have conversation, we're talking about, okay, Calgary will come in here. There'll be a series of back-to-back -back games. Then, then maybe it's Montreal and, and then the Canucks go elsewhere. But it is a fluid situation, so more so than we have heard because of the numbers right around the country, uh, you are hearing that, hey, bubbles might be the option to start this thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a temporary thing. It, the, also, there, there's no desire to play fully this year in Hobbs. Mm. Eventually, these, these teams are going to end up in their own buildings. So, like, they'd start for two weeks, and, and you know, then we'll see. And, um, 
you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So there's no plan and, and they wouldn't. And, you know, last year we called them bubbles because it was a full bubble. Mm-hmm. This year we're calling them hubs because it's not going to be a full bubble. And there's no desire to spend a ton of time with them. So, yeah, again, Bick, so many things we've got to figure out. Is it a hub? So are you going to Edmonton? I mean, logically, you would think, oh, where have we done this before? Well, they've, they've got it set up in Edmonton. In fact, they're using it right now for the juniors. They've done it in Toronto. Um, do you have two hubs here in Canada? Do you have one city? And does that hub mean they're playing for a, a couple of weeks and then they're going out of it? I mean, so many questions that if I'm a player, what exactly are we doing other than you guys tell me to jump on a plane and get back to my NHL city? Yeah, and we've talked about the finances aspect of it all, right? And obviously, people are employers or employees are always going to care about how am I getting paid? Or when am I getting paid? How much of it you know, in relation to the NHL? How much are you taking away? All that sort of stuff. That, that's real day-to-day questions. But the, the logistics of how this gets pulled off is another thing I'm wondering about if I'm a player. Because... By and large, Perry, I think it's fair to say that players weren't a fan of the bubbles uh, in, in the summer. Yes, it was it was a necessary evil to try to pull off the season, but nobody's signing up to do that again. Not for the prolonged stretches. No. So if you're saying three weeks you got to be away from your family, I think that's a big ask. If it's one week and you're going to play three games, that might be able you might be able to get away with, but. If it's a consistent thing where you're in a bubble for two weeks, you're out for a week, you're back in for two weeks, I I think that's problematic because it just creates a a disruption of flow for how you get your fans invested as well, let alone what that does for players. Well, and that's the basic thing. Bic, can you imagine if they're going back and forth as the NHL and the NHLP is right now and they're going, well, here's the scenario, right? We'd we'd like you in a, in a, a bubble, a hub, for two weeks and then you'll escape for six days. What do they walk to the next room and, and talk to the computer guys at NHL scheduling who've always, you can go from a Vancouver perspective, seem to miss something. Okay. Here's what we're doing now. And then by the way, we think with the vaccine and we have 10% of the population uh, vaccinated by the end of March, we think we can go from city to city. I mean, it's, I don't even know if you can actually, the NFL has a flex. I believe last night's game was a flex move from a couple of weeks ago, actually. But, you know, how flexible they're going to have to be with scheduling to go to accommodate everybody. Um, boy, there's a lot of work to do. One more thing that Elliot said, that, and we'll get away from the basics of bubbles, hubs, what's going on. People who put on the uniforms. And, and Bic, you know, you do a lot of work with, this is something Sad had mentioned a month ago, wasn't he? You know, he was talking about mm-hmm. possibly Travis Hamanek being in the conversation here in Vancouver. I do know that Vancouver has been in and out on Hamannick, and they were very interested in Hamannick um, before uh, they acquired Nate Schmidt. I, I still think they remain interested in Hamannick, but they probably don't have the flexibility salary-wise that they did before they traded for Schmidt. Vic, how? How do you get him here? So the number one thing that's going to have to be solved is what's Michael Furlan's status? And it feels like it's trending towards, you know, long-term injury reserve. And what does that look like for the whole season? Is that something that prolongs straight through till uh, June, July, and it keeps that salary off the books? The the other question is going to be, is there a desire to want to spend more money? That's the bigger question to me, right? Because I feel like the Furlan resolution will come forward of him ending up on long-term injury reserve. It's just, is there 
a want from above Jim Banning to spend money. That's to me is the bigger question. And there has been no indication when we had Jim Benning on this show three weeks ago. It almost, I'm not going to say he was resigned, but he was going, this team is going to grow from within. We, yeah. We've got people in place. We're going to grow from within. And you know as well as anyone, when you look at the, the salary cap and the situation, as much as we have been after the Canucks and how much money they have on the bottom six, well, over the years to come, that bottom six money is going to slowly disappear happens with with Sutter next year and you know who knows what with Furland it's great listen it's human nature who doesn't all of a sudden find money and go you know what I, I didn't I didn't count on this I'm gonna go spend it now it's not like they're going to find and they'll be surprised by Furland's contract if indeed unfortunately that's the way the young man has to go but I don't necessarily think that means you go out and spend it you're going to play 50 plus games this year You've got a decent team. It may not be a playoff team in the Canadian division, but you can see what you have and go, hey, we've got even more money to spend rather than renting someone like Hammond. I could would help, but go, okay, so we're just going to lose him next year anyways. I would say, you know what? Hang on to the money. Keep it in your wallet. There's a better time to spend it next year. The problem with that is you're expecting a lot of growth, right? Yeah. You're expecting a lot of growth from the Jalen Chatfields and – Olio levies of the world. And, and while I've got some stock in those guys, it's just you are at a stage now where playoffs is the expectation. And that's a very concerning at times to, to leverage your season on potentially a very weak bottom six or a very weak bottom pairing. Completely agree. But at the end of the day, if June comes along and they go, we read that wrong. Oli's not ready. And even when he's ready, he's, he's a, He's a sixth pair. He's a third pairing guy. Indeed, uh, Pud Coles and Hoaglander, you're right. You're hoping to jump up. There is so much opportunity here, but why fix it in uh, January going, we're really going to push it when you go, listen, we might need a few things. We got to renovate a few things here. And the good news is we have a fair bit of money to do it. Um, and also with free agents going, well, they never got the deal they want. Maybe the number's not going to be as high we can win. Uh, lots of things to deal with. Uh, coming up next, a napkin, a napkin that changed the course of sports history. We'll describe that to you. It's not BS. It's all PS ahead on a rainy Tuesday morning on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. We'll put any B.S. on this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, well, at least not during this segment. It's all P.S. P.S. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary of a 13-year-old putting his name to a napkin to change sports history. Messi. Oh. Oh. Messi. that we are living in that's astonishing jaw-dropping genius from Lionel I don't know if he was a genius at 13 Bic but at that point he's there he played in front of the Barcelona reps 
His dad was getting a little itchy. They were making all these promises and not doing anything. And he said, listen, we may go elsewhere. Right then and there, the Barcelona sporting director found a napkin, wrote it all down, and the rest, as they say, is history with Messi in Barcelona. So you're saying I shouldn't uh, have been using napkins for my face. I should be using them for legal agreements. <sighs> I'll tell you something. I was at the Air Canada Championship with the former head of, of Sportsnet, Scott Moore, and he grabbed the napkin and goes, okay, so for this hockey season, here's what we'll pay you. And he wrote a number on a napkin, and I thought, do I get to ask the pen and cross it out and write a different number? <laughs> and I did. And he said, no. And then he wrote another number, and I said, okay. And I thought that was it. And actually, now that I think about it, on my napkin sports history, somewhere at my mom's house, there was a napkin with Wayne Gretzky's autograph on it, who I saw at a sporting event. And that's all we grabbed. Grabbed the napkin at Commonwealth Stadium, and he signed it along with Eddie Mio. There you go. The napkin history. That's not BS, man. That's PS. Also PS, Kyrie Irving called the media pawns over the weekend. Didn't talk to him. He did talk yesterday, and he changed his tune on this guy, his head coach. He's been unbelievable in camp. You know, he's been uh, playing at an extremely high level. Uh, he's been a leader. And so while he may not be, uh, you know, in your guys' good books right now, he's in my good books. So, uh, <laughs> Bick, Steve Nash, kill him with kindness. Say nice things about Kyrie. Kyrie goes, yeah, he's a pretty good guy, and he's been talking nice about Steve Nash and his first NBA coaching role. Sounds like a Canadian. Just, Isn't it? Just, just just being the nice guy, win him with kindness. Yeah, and pretty comfortable in front of all the microphones is Steve Nash. Uh, P.S. We have a winner. Hey, uh, tell you what, Fred. We'll play for a nickel if you want to bet. A bet? A bet? A bet? A bet? Bet? News yesterday that the state of New Jersey set a record again. $931 million was bet in that state for the month of November. So it looks like that's over $5 billion in one year. They've got one month to go. Great news, New Jersey. You are on track to set a new betting record of more than $5.3 billion ever bet on sports by a state. Nevada holding that record. The people in New Jersey, Bick, they love to bet, and they're going to set a new American record. That's why it was decriminalized, and there's revenue to be made for the government and, uh, you know, single sports betting on the horizon in Canada as well. There's obviously a lot of money uh, for everyone involved. Yeah, it's coming here slowly, but it'll make its way across the border because everybody is betting. And P.S., hey, Chase Young was awesome on Sunday for Washington, but you know what was great is you get to see the Zoom press conference. He did it with his mom on FaceTime so she could see the reporters. And the reporter said, hey, are you serious? Is that what's going on? It, is your mom actually on the phone right now? On the yeah, speakerphone? Right here. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up, Bobby? Hi. Say hi. What did you, you think of the touchdown today? <laughs> you said, they said, what did you think of the touchdown tonight? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm just so worn out. It, it was just outstanding. I couldn't even believe it. I was in shock. And I said, he knows how to put that phone up and that phone on it. And he got it and kept trucking. Bick, man, we are in a different time. But sometimes it's pretty cool, hey? Hey, Mom, I got to do the press conference. I'll just keep you on FaceTime listening. 
trying to think of uh, you know days when we were allowed at the rink and uh, you know in, in the media scrum someone just uh, invites their mom via FaceTime on. Uh, I, I feel like that's a Zoom only thing, not a in person thing. No, not going to happen. But how many times do you see the athlete's family? Oh, it'd be nice to talk to. Them. Yeah. And now we are finding out. Uh, no BS, everybody. That is just PS. Still ahead, Todd Bertuzzi on the 7 o'clock hour. Hey, we want to remind you, everybody, hoops are back. The countdown to tip-off is brought to you by Denny's. Get a holiday turkey, dinner for four, starting at just $59.99. Visit denny's.ca. Bertuzzi up next on the starting lineup. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. For the win. And Justin Tucker has done it for Baltimore. These guys are here to break it all down. I do know that Vancouver has been in and out on Hamannick. And they were very interested in Hamannick um, before uh, they acquired Nate Schmidt. I, I still think they remain interested in Hammonick, but they probably don't have the flexibility. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. This whining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. one. Good morning, Vancouver. Hope it's a good one in front of you. You might be whining if you were hoping to see some sunshine. You live in Vancouver, though, people. Give your head a shake. Rain, 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 nasty out there this morning is going to continue for majority of the week, unfortunately. Perry Solkowski, along with Bick Nazar, getting you through on this um, Tuesday morning. I almost took us back to Monday. I'm going to talk about the Monday night football. Monday night football, Bick, is it too early? You know, we want to make uh, Elias Pedersen a top 10 player already. That's too early. Do we make that top five Monday night football games? Of all time? Yeah. Oh man, it, it, it's it's up there. It, that Rams Chiefs game recently is is a great one. I know Brett Favre had a memorable game on Monday night. That's up there. Uh, in recent memory, yeah, this one was amazing. It it, it wasn't just because it was you no know, great football or whatever. It, it just with the injury to Lamar or the 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 issues with Lamar Jackson. I shouldn't say injury, but him going out of the game, him coming back. Uh, a big comeback from the Cleveland Browns. It being the Cleveland Browns of all teams, injecting hope into a franchise. It it had a little bit of everything. It was it was Shakespearean. You could even say last night. It, it, it was. That's exactly it, right? It was kind of like where's where's Lamar Jackson? Like okay, and and, and you're coming with McSorley to win. Like if you're a Browns fan, you go, oh, this is fantastic. But then you're just thinking, I, I'm saying as I'm watching, okay, like how bad are you cramping up? Like I, I know, and first off. You know, soccer players are running for 90 minutes in hot weather. Like, that's when I think of cramps. I don't think of cramps when you're a quarterback. And granted, he was running all over the place. But I go, okay, isn't that a couple of pills? Isn't that a quick IV? And you're not coming back? All right. And then da-da-da-da. And simultaneously, as McSorley gets hurt, on a fourth down. And I'm not was, saying that uh, I might have thought Cleveland was going to win the game. But, yeah, it was amazing how that played out. It was unbelievable. It almost felt like it was scripted, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, sports is so great because it's unscripted, and, and we learn on the fly, and and we we think about what all just should happen. It's like how how could you do that? And you know, Trace McSorley getting hurt on third down, Lamar jogging out of the tunnel, his his you know great moment, like a Kirk Gibson moment, 
And so here he is to save the game, and he does just that. And then, hey, it's still not over. Like Cleveland comes back, and you still got to march down the field. It had a little bit of everything. And then to add to it, to make it so 2020, and we just talked about the billions of dollars bet, you go, oh, there's the field goal. They win. It's over. All right, so everybody, you'll cash if you took the points in Cleveland. And then you see, okay, are they going to have their own miracle? Craziness in Cleveland? The laterals back and forth go, oh, you know what? Geez, they're not going to tackle them. I'm watching it, not even thinking that this could turn into a safety. <laughs> and it does. And kind of cavalierly, yeah, there's a safety. It'll be a five-point win for Baltimore. And then all of a sudden, the masses, let's not hide it, people. There's people who bet. And they'll go, oh, you're kidding me. Social media just turned into like, like a betting anonymous. Everybody's out. I had four and a half. I had four and a half. I can't believe what I just witnessed. I'm not sleeping tonight. Like I expect to tell our Todd Furman and our betting bet the board podcast guest, but to go, hmm, all right, that's that's what happened. Man, like you said, my friend, it had a little bit of everything last night. There was a 10-minute Twitter window yesterday where everything was either uh cramp jokes or betting jokes and it was great yeah no yeah there was a there was a lot of situations uh, ready to go with that this hour of the starting lap remind you is brought to you by dunbar lumber the small alternative visit dunbar lumber on bridge street in ladner or arbutus in vancouver or online at dunbarlumber.com it is tuesday todd bertuzzi joins us big man you love your sporting events were you checking in on that one last night baltimore cleveland yeah good morning perry Beck. yeah that's exactly why i don't bet Oh. especially on, on situations like that. The game is absolutely incredible. We need a lot more of that. And uh, I just think as sports get going on, everyone gets back in the rhythm, guys get healthier, you're going to see a lot more impactful games like that. But that's definitely the reason why I do not bet, because that safety at the end would have killed a lot of people's bank. But oh, if yeah, you're no. on the right side, that's exactly what you bet. Oh, yeah, if you're on the right side. But 99% of the time, we're all on the wrong side, so. That's why they always get it right. Uh, we, we will save this conversation for our 7 o'clock guest tomorrow in Florida who has a penchant for <laughs> for looking at doing stuff, does Eddie Jovanovsky. When you watch something, though, and maybe make this comparison, like Lamar Jackson yesterday when he took off with the football, you just said, like, how is he that smooth against others? Who was that player that you played against or with? And you go, that's ridiculous how smooth he looks when he's in his own. Uh, I'd probably say for me, I would probably say Sergei Fedorov. Uh, everything looked in slow-mo while he was flying around. Um, he was slippery. He was, uh, deceptive. He could skate backwards as fast as he can skate forward. That's why he played D for a while there too. I'd say he's probably one of the most underrated dynamic smooth operators of the game. The term I've always heard when relating conversation about Fedorov is like savant, just just knew how to do everything on the ice. And you're talking about him playing defense. Is that a fair assessment? Just the smartest guy on the ice every time? Oh, yeah. Well, he's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, I don't know how many guys you can actually put in different positions in hockey, to be honest with you. I think <laughs> you hear sometimes some defensemen have a tough time being a right-hand shot playing on the left side. Well, there wasn't a position that Fedorov couldn't play, and there's – we have a lot of those athletes, but asking that question, I would say absolutely. He was smooth off the ice and on the ice and uh, very competitive, but 
he just operated at a different uh, a different speed, and uh, that's what made him a Hall of Famer and uh, an Bert, outstanding player. You talk about Lindstrom, and I guess the simple equation would be the greats and arguably some of the greatest make it look the easiest because that was Nick Lindstrom looked like, I don't know, is this game going to go 120 minutes? Cause I'll stay on the ice if you want. It didn't look hard. Yeah. I've been, you know what, Perry, I've been fortunate. I played with a lot of guys like that. Lindstrom, uh, Scotty Niedemeyer up in Anaheim, just the, I don't know, man, they just built differently. They're never tired. Everything that they do is effortless and smooth. They look good doing it all. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've had. I, there, there's been some uh, Pavel Datsuk made the game easy. Like that's the weird part with Datsuk that it's going to end up getting. I don't know if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame or I don't know if he's going to get the accolades he deserves. But the game came extremely easy for him. I think unfortunately, but fortunately, he won a cup. But unfortunately, playing in Detroit, it's um, very defensive-minded first, and him playing center. Uh, he did a lot of the heavy lifting and a lot of the work. Offensively, I don't think his numbers were anywhere near where they should have been with his talent level. He was that good. But Detroit won cups playing a 200-foot game uh, sooner and quicker and better than everyone else. Uh, but uh, he's another guy who was just cool under pressure. Zetterberg, same thing. He was very – he didn't look fast, but he was fast. He got the job done always. He was very smooth on his skates, very effortless, and came up big in Big Ten games. So there, there's, uh, there's a lot that I played with, actually. Todd Bertuzzi joining us here in the starting lineup. Uh, you mentioned a couple of guys there, Datsuk and Zetterberg. Uh, players who often get comp to Elias Pettersson, and you're right, uh, those players don't ever get the accolades they deserve. And it's already seemed like seeming like it's happening with Elias Pettersson. Yesterday, NHL Network uh, ranking him as the 38th best player in the league. I posited uh, he should be closer to top 20. Uh, 38th, do you agree or disagree? I looked at the list. Um, I kind of disagree. I think I, I think he should be where you guys are thinking he should be. Um, there were some guys on the list that Hey, listen, if you're on that list, you're obviously freaking really good. Who am I to critique you being the top 50 best players in the league? Uh, not to toot my own horn. At some point in time, I was too. So I wouldn't want anyone else criticizing my game. But I believe that uh, I, I believe that there's – it's – I don't know. It's Sometimes just playing on the West Coast, you don't get the kind of exposure um, that you do on the East Coast with a lot of the players and all that. But at the same time, you do have the Connor McDavid's and all that, and I just feel like the West at some point in time is going to start getting a lot more brighter and a lot more uh, exposure. It seems like Toronto, Montreal, New York, Philly, these kind of places get a lot more exposure than uh, than they do out in Vancouver. And, and in the West, you have to be a very successful team and a powerful team in order to get that kind of exposure. But, no, I'm with you guys on that. I think he should be a lot lower than that. But at the same time, that's pretty – positive uh situation for the canuck fans to have someone now uh on that uh on that depth chart um humor me i'm sure you were on the top 50 list for several years do you remember where where you were calculated what what position they put you in no you know i didn't really read that much into that kind of stuff i don't know you get i you know what pair honestly I was cleaning out my, because uh, I moved home, so I was cleaning out my uh, stuff, and I 
end up coming across a whole bunch of memorabilia stuff and all that and a whole bunch of magazines and all that. And I just, I, I actually saw magazines where they had the hockey news top 50 and I had uh, a handful of articles from different years and all that kind of stuff. So I, I didn't really look thoroughly through it. I just saw it and put it back in its box and put it back on the shelf. But uh, I don't think guys really look at that. I think everyone has uh, a lot of respect for each other's games. And that's not something that guys really care too much about. Well, and and, and, and big man, you were in a different time, right? You weren't looking at your phone and seeing social media, but I've got to think that Pedersen Pedersen looks at that at 38th and goes, you know what? I'm not the 38th best player in the league. I think I'm a top 15 guy. I'll prove it to you this year. Could you see him using it as motivation? Oh yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can use as motivation like that. There was tons I used throughout my career to motivate me to kind of shove it up certain people's opinion or, or GMs that I was with that let me go. I think, uh, motivation and that kind of motivation is good for you. It, uh, it can, it can bring you from a top 40 player to a top 10 player, just that alone. But there's a lot of great players on that depth chart reading it over. And I think like we spoke a long time ago, our game's in a very, very good uh, place right now. We have a lot of, uh, extremely talented superstars and I think the more that we can get into the mainstream and become more of a culture get uh, get a different kind of fan base out there and all that I think uh, the sky's the limit as far as getting our sport to where it needs to be hey you were uh, pulling some memorabilia there do you have more of your own stuff or is it uh, stuff around the league well I got I got everything I um just over the years, just with magazines, cards, sticks, and all that, I got uh, I got quite the collection that sits uh, in boxes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, collects dust. I'm not a guy who decorates my house with memorabilia stuff and all that. So everything's been pretty much cleaned, wrapped, tucked away and all that for, for a rainy day or for my kids or I don't know. There's people that like that kind of stuff, but they're over give them an opportunity to see it. But I got uh, sticks from a whole bunch of players throughout the league that I played against and then uh, all articles and magazines from the hockey news and all that kind of stuff. I got a lot of old, old stuff. Wayne Gretzky rookie card went for a million dollars last week. Do you have Todd Bertuzzi rookie cards? I got tons of Todd Bertuzzi's rookie cards, and I think all of them combined wouldn't even break over 100, 100 bucks right now. But, that's, hey, hey, but I love seeing that, though. How cool is that that we have a hockey player that has kind of went for a million, over a million dollars? Yeah. You hear the Jordans, the LeBrons, and all this kind of stuff. I uh, I always loved hearing uh, other hockey players' success as far as uh, popularity and all that kind of stuff. And he was the greatest player to ever play the game. But it was very cool to hear that his card went for that. Uh, not so much if you're a young kid growing up in Edmonton. You would have had a box of hockey cards and dominated making sure you had as many Euler cards as possible, and then your mom just throws them away years later, and you don't think much of it. I haven't enjoyed that conversation all week long, Bert, thinking, really? I had half of those cards, and I let them get away. Hey, I, I yeah, want to ask you one thing. There's a, lot of us that, there's a lot of us that had all those. Can you imagine going back and taking some of the more iconic cards? Because we were in the era where all those cards are worth a bucket load of money. So I think there's a lot of people – kicking themselves in the butt or not too happy yeah. with their mind. 
Uh, I want you to put your father hat on right now for tag because we had Jeff Merrick on uh, last hour. Uh, Merrick's all plugged in with everything, especially when it comes to the CHL and all that. And he was talking about OHL Board of Governor meetings. Um, you know, you're a father of a junior hockey player and have been through it all. Jeff said for the first time, he goes, I don't even know if these guys are going to hit the ice, that maybe the World Juniors is the only hockey we see. Where do you sit? And, and more importantly, Bert, like what is the flow of communication for kids who are hoping to play in the OHL? Or do they know anything or it's just what they hear through media? I'll be honest with you. We know nothing, nothing, nothing has been passed over. I know that tag has had uh, uh different kind of uh, uh, online video chats with his team and, and uh, just about staying ready and all that kind of stuff. But as far as concrete evidence of going back, the last we were told he was leaving January 4th with a February 4th start. But I've also heard there's not a chance that's even going to happen or it might not even happen. The amount of limbo that every parent and these kids are in is uh, is painful right now. It's uh, very frustrating. Uh, I see all these kids. There's a whole bunch of junior kids here, OHL kids here. So I see a lot of them at the skate and all that kind of stuff. And it's frustrating. It is scary because these kids are all going to, if it doesn't happen, they lose a year. And their dream is mm -hmm. to play hockey. Does, does that mean your dream's over? No, it doesn't. But for a kid just to work out and skate only and practice only with no kind of games or that kind of stuff is that's a long year for these kids. But uh, um, they're gonna have to stay patient. I, I don't know, man. As it is right now, if you're asking me, I, I don't see it going on, which is gonna be the biggest disappointment and the biggest farce. I believe that. These kids deserve the right and the opportunity to make their own decisions on whether they want to go play or not. If you don't want to go play because you're afraid of the health and safety of everyone, then, then that's your choice. Uh, but to have choices made for you uh, can get a little bit frustrating at times. And I do understand the severity of, of what's going on and all that. And hopefully this vaccine comes in and does its magic and all that. But to take this away from these junior age kids who want to make hockey uh, their lifelong dream and, and goal is is uh, pretty frustrating because there's guys in the college. The college is playing. Why is the college playing? Explain that to me. Well, Why are they allowed to play? Why did the Quebec League start and play 20 games? So it's well, that was my point. If, if you're a junior player and this is your draft year, we've got a kid here in Port Moody who's lighting it up in Michigan. And I'm going, well, listen, isn't that a big advantage for him being scouted? He's actually playing on weekends. And yeah. junior players with their draft yard. I've, I've, been, I've been watching the games, man. And, and you have all these other kids that don't have a place to go play. And then they're all, some of these kids are asking, can we go to Europe somewhere like uh, division two or because the, uh, the, the, the top league in Europe and all that is over flooded with, with, with uh, North Americans who are over there that were playing in the HL. Is the HL even going to go on? I want how about all yeah. these kids who are actually men and have to pay bills like the junior kids. I feel bad in a separate way, but the AHL guys and all that, this is their livelihood and, and how they pay bills and all that. They might not have a, their league going on. So it's the uncertainty that no one has any concrete evidence that is very frustrating uh, as far as uh, guidance towards what's going on. And you two know too, if, if you're left in the dark and don't have answers for things, it can get pretty uh, anxiety and yeah. uh, and and tough to uh, function and to, and to go through 
daily thing. That's why I'm worried about a lot of these kids' uh, mental health and all that. And I hope the parents are on top of this and, and doing everything they can to help these kids out because it's just some trying times for uh, a lot of these kids who want to play hockey. Well, it's different circumstances, Bert, but, you know, just going back to, like, the lockout, right? And when when you were dealing with, you know, not playing and the, the levels of communication, how did you feel, like, when did you start feeling antsy of, okay, will there, won't there be a season? What are we doing here? And, and we're, we're in the current situation. We're getting close to a potential deadline of you know, wanting to get ready for training camp. Is this time where things started to clear up for you? And back then when it got close to deadlines, finally you started to get an idea of what the seasons may look like? Well, no, unless you're part of the NHLPA uh, board or, or – uh, the representative for your team, there was a lot of lack of no information. Uh, a lot of guys had no clue what was going on. I remember the one time we basically, I think we had a two-week notice that we think that it's actually going to come back. And um, the lockout years, it, 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 it's it's different for everyone. Hey, listen, no one wants to have a lockout year. We don't want to be away from our fans. We want to play hockey and all that. But at sometimes if you played 10 years in the league, it's like, Oh boy, I get maybe a year after four or five months. So, and if you made some money, some guy, and I'm just speaking just out loud or whatever, not for myself or for anyone, but you're like, Oh, okay. I get four months just to relax, take a, take some time off after I just played 12 years, rest some bumps and bruises and all that. So the emergency of getting back isn't as severe as some other guys who are just trying to make it and all that. So, Everyone handles these situations differently and all that, but it's just it's the lack of communication uh, at these points and times that uh, can get frustrating and and hard. That's why I told my son, I said, hey, just put your head down, go to work every day. Um, like I said, I took him to Arizona for a week. We went hiking up the mountains and biking just to change it up. And if he ain't leaving January 4th, I'm going to take him to another place just to go do some more biking and hiking and maybe play a little bit of golf. So then when he comes back from the week after he's fresh and ready to go and all that, I'm just trying to keep his mind uh, a little bit more occupied on, uh, on the other things, not just focus on hockey because these kids literally, they go home, they eat, breathe and die hockey. All they want to do is play hockey. And when it's taken away from you, you know how it is with kids guys, if you got them, uh, they can get pretty antsy at the house and, and, uh, can come into some bad habits. So, uh, like I said, I'm hoping to get uh, this resolved soon and get some information so we can all uh, push forward. Bert, we're, we're almost done with it, but I want to ask you one thing, because you and I had this conversation as we were waiting for the bubble to take place in the summer, and you kind of said, hey, to go into a situation like that, I don't know if I would, depending on where I was in my career, if I had a family. You know, we're always talking January 13th, players are jumping on the plane. Here's what I'm curious and no one's been talking about. And you just said it there. You know, you're not giving the kids in junior hockey a choice. You know, let them make a choice if they want to go for it. Do you think of the 700 plus NHL players and what you said about rest and all that and and the pandemic numbers are big. They know a vaccine's coming. Depending on where you are in career, do you not think we're going to see some guys opt out like we did in the NFL and just say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll forego the year in my contract. I'll see you guys in September. Don't you think that's going to happen mm, with some? I don't know, Perry. Hockey players are born differently, dude. I think that's why we have the greatest sport in the world, man. I, I honestly, I would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like if someone did that. 
that's that's their choice. Everyone's allowed their choice, but what's going on is no one's having a choice. They're telling us what we have to do right now, and and I, I do believe every hockey player would show up and go and play. Mm-hmm. That that's why I just hockey players are just built differently, man. We just they just right now must like I know the Red Wings are skating on it. They cannot wait to start playing games for them not to get to the bubble. And then to have this much time off coming off a year after that, to get in the fourth pick and all this kind of stuff, they are just chomping at the bit to getting out in that ice and going playing. So if I'm looking at the level, uh, the levels of eagerness and excitement and all that, I can't see a single hockey player opting out. If they do, that's their choice. They're allowed choice. It's no different than, than the government yep. shutting, like in Michigan, shutting down the bars and shutting down the restaurants. I think it should be, it, it should be your choice, your decision, if you don't want to go out. Don't go out. If you want to go out, go out. Just be respectful and responsible. But for them to shut down, I have so many friends in the restaurant and bar industry right now that are just absolutely dying right now. And it, it's very tough to see some of your friends who put their blood, sweat, and tears and all their money into this occupation and it to be taken away from you, from the government and all that, and you have no say in the matter, which which is really, really it's a weird time right now, man, the fact that, we can't make our own decisions in life that we're having them made for us. But uh, like I said, I really hope this vaccine is the vaccine that comes in and, and, and solves a lot of the situation so we can get back to uh, normalcy and, and everyone get back to doing what they're doing, their jobs, their life, and all that kind of stuff. Because it's been, it's been a heck of a run, I'll tell you. It is. We're treading towards politics, so that means I better wrap you up. It's different, yeah, but uh, <laughs> stay safe. <laughs> Stay safe. We'll do it again next week. Okay, guys. Have a good day. There's Todd Bertuzzi on all things uh, that's going on. You know, as a parent and uh, as a junior hockey player and as an NHLer, Bick, and I want to get into that a little bit more. Are we for certain that everyone's showing up to play, that there's not some 34-year-old that goes, you know what, I'm comfortable. I'm not going to come back until September. Financially, I can handle it. We'll get into that on the other side of the home of hockey, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It was a Friday night, I woke alone. Welcome back to Chapter 31. Perry Sabolski, Victor Zar taking with you this week as uh, we count down today's to the holiday season. Sabolski with a week off to enjoy things. Uh, Vic, I want to get back to, to some of the things that, that Todd was saying as Todd Bertuzzi joins us as always. Uh, some people wondering if since Bert's not big on his paraphernalia, if they can get some from him, uh, you can join our conversation on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 uh, anytime you want. We uh, should also remind you that obviously this hour is brought to you by our friends at Dunbar Lumber, the small alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver or online at DunbarLumber.com. I was surprised in Todd's answer. That, yes, hockey players are a different breed, Bick, but I just think of 700 guys. You saw someone like Tuka Rask. Uh, the bubble was too tough and, and left the Bruins. You know, here is a guy with a, a year left on the contract. It's going to be a short season, so that would be it. I, I just think there might be one or two guys that might just say, uh, you know, I'm not going to play. And maybe they don't come back. Maybe they retire, and this is how they leave. But, boy, Todd seems pretty strongly, uh, Bick, and do you agree that, no, nah, hockey guys, they're all showing up to play? 
I agree with the sentiment that, okay, there is an element to hockey players that is a bit different, right? And, and persevering through injury and all that sort of stuff. That, that exists. That's real. That's a fact. I tend to side in the face of logic, though. And mm-hmm. logically, you're right. Like, you take a sample size of 700 people, you're going to get outliers in that scenario. And, and all it takes is a couple. And then suddenly... Someone else is thinking, well, he did it. Should I be contemplating my own situation? And I've got a family and I've got to deal with this. And look, we saw it in the NFL. There was a host of guys that opted yeah. out. And it just logically, I have to look at it and say, yeah, of course, that's going to be a thing that some players will do so. And I don't begrudge anyone for for opting out. Yeah, it's a team sport. But the one thing I'd say is, the the individ the individuality kind of gets taken away from hockey players because they're always po- you know, told to be part For of this sure. team, right? It's always about each other. The younger athlete in today, I, I agree with what Todd's saying. It's it just from when he played to where we are now, players are more individual. I think players are understanding their power a lot more, and there are other ways to still be a star. And, and still stay in the social conscience. And I, I just, I do think players are just more aware of their own being. And I think you will see guys opt out. Well, listen, Bertuzzi has been in front of microphones his entire career when he played, as would any NHL superstar. Never was he asked the question, you know, what do you think of your brand? Right? No, exactly. Right? Exactly. That, that is That is part of the... The language that Pedersen knows what his brand is. We watch Adam Gaudette, you know, talking about his brand and how many guys going to get watching him on Twitch. Like, they think that way. I think there's old, like, I don't think Bo Horvat's walking around with Gunner going, geez, my brand's really uh, taking a hit here, you know, but it's part of, it's part of our world right now. So I, I, I agree with you. I think someone older, and I can't see anybody on a Canucks roster because, they're trying to achieve something. They're moving the right way. But I do think there is someone who may have a, a Stanley Cup in a trophy case, is comfortable, is is wealthy financially, has a family around them, and just says it's been a real grind to get going. And I'm still uncertain, and I don't want to go into this scenario. And it may not look good, but I'm going to step forward and say, hey, just, just for personal reasons, family reasons, I am not going to participate in this shortened NHL season. I hope to be back uh, again, you know, in September, October with the vaccine and and finishing my career in an 82-game schedule. I just, like you said, the numbers say it, it someone's going to do it. Not only someone, it's, to me, it's what percentage do it, right? Yeah. Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Uh, what number of players say, I'll see you in 2021-22 season? We'll wait till the vaccine, full stands, all, all this conversation about bubbles and travel and new divisions. You know what? You guys can sort it out on your own. I want to play when it's Western Eastern Conference. I want to play when it's 82 games. I want to play when everything is as normal as it's possible. That's I just I can't imagine we don't see guys opt out. I It, it just it's just too logical for me. Yeah, no, I, I I think we we certainly will. Um, poll question, join the conversation, 650-650, good on the Dumber, uh, Lumber Tech line. Our poll question today, um, Elias Pedersen, who gets set to go. He's been hanging out in Vancouver, can't wait for the puck to drop. 
NHL Network has been putting out their top 50 players. Uh, they do it daily. Went from 40 to 30 yesterday. And that is where we saw the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Pettersson. He's the 38th best player in the NHL. So take a best player from every team, add a few more. That's where they think Pedersen is. Who is he better than? Well, he's one better than Stanley Cup champion Steven Stamkos. Hmm. He's two better than Matthew Kachuk. All right. But he's not as good as Dougie Hamilton in Carolina or as good and important as Connor Hellebuck is in Winnipeg. Beck, what are they saying on our poll question today? We gave them options as to where would you slot PDN as far as being ranked in the NHL. I said in the top 20. I think my number that I came out to was uh, somewhere around 16 or 18. Uh, and 50% of the people are smart like me. 50.7% saying 11 to 20. So he's in that top 20. 25% uh, saying top 10. And then there's 19% uh, of people saying top 30s. And then 4.7% in the top 40, which is where he did land on that list. Yeah, and you know what? Church of Pedersen's been texting me thinking I got to get on board. <laughs> and listen, Church of Pedersen, you're doing what you should, and hopefully you're not all congregating on Sundays. Let's stay away from each other. You can you can worship your number 40 from a distance. It's tough when you look at top. And Jeff Merrick joined us and said, listen, if I'm thinking of who am I going to pay money to go see, yeah, then listen, I'll put Pedersen in my top 10. Because when he gets on the ice and he gets the puck, and we have watched it from shift number one in Vancouver, it's like, I wonder what he's going to do. Like, Get him over the boards. Throw number 40 over the boards. That's great. How much do we love an overtime when you go, oh, man, they're going to throw it best for Pedersen and Hughes? This is going to be unbelievable. And they've provided that kind of entertainment. Is that a all-around player yet? Is he getting there? Yeah, he is molding into an all-around player. Like, Do you want Ryan O'Reilly leading the charge who's 31 in the NHL as far as their top 50? Yeah, I, I don't mind that because I know he's going to grind it out. Do I want to build my team around Ryan O'Reilly? Well, I don't know. Is it a team for this year? Like I might. If I got to put a team together right now, Ryan O'Reilly's an opportunity or Pedersen's an opportunity. I might lean at Ryan O'Reilly. I won't next year because I think Pedersen's going to grow physically and he'll move from like, you know, flying up the charts. I think from 38, he could be top 10 next year. But right now, based on what we've seen, I'm not having that much of an issue of where they put him in the NHL network saying, hey, he's the 38th best player in the NHL. I'll go, yeah, 38 with a bullet. He's going up higher. Here's the thing. And, you know, oftentimes when we make these lists or, or these lists are made, Canucks fans react and sometimes there's an overreaction. And why do people get mad, right, or, or angry? It's need and blame, right? There's an expectations that, that aren't met and you think your player deserves better. And in reality, you earn what you deserve. But in this case, Elias Pedersen has already earned the status of a top 20 player. He got voted for the Hart Trophy, and he finished 16th in voting. He has already been recognized as a top 20 player. This Johnny come lately of pecking him down the order and you're 38. That's where you live. No, it's already been determined he's top 20 by NHL media. This is a wild spot to put him in. And Jeff Merrick was right. Todd Bertuzzi was right. 50% of the people that are voting was right. And I made this point earlier. It's just if he's played like the 38th best player, the Canucks have not had enough talent on the rest of the team for them to be even sniffing towards the playoffs. He's playing like a top 20 player, getting this team in position, getting this team in position to win a round. Making it to a game seven or round two. That's what he's doing. And that's why he's a top 20 player. 
Um, you got to start the season. Would you take Pedersen of Jenny Malkin? Uh, very close, but uh, Malkin will be ahead of me. You would take Malkin before you take Pedersen. Yeah. See, so there, there becomes the problem. I think you do that based on resume. Right? You do that because you know what he has achieved. You know in tight situations he can be counted on. Now, I think he had a wrist problem in the bubble in the summertime, but I would have taken how Pedersen played over Melkin. Right? And that, there's the difficulty with the list. And and that's why when you make these lists, I don't think you can base it. Quinn Hughes is in the top 50. Good on them to recognize how he changes it. We see it with, with you know, rose-colored glasses here. Pedersen is going to be... If he's not top 10 next year, he could be top five if he continues to trend as he is. But I, I, it's interesting. You know, Seth Jones is on that list. How do you take a defenseman? And if you're building a team, go, man, just give me someone who can play 30 minutes on the back end. I'll find someone who can score. I think it's tougher for a forward and a center to excel and climb up the sheet. That's that's where I'll give the NHL Network some, all right, I, I don't know exactly how you're basing it on. Not the most exciting, but... If you're building a team, yeah, maybe there are 37 different NHL players that I would grab first right here, right now. Uh, if you say, hey, pick any of these guys and they're your guy for the next five years, I think Pedersen's in the top 10, maybe top five there. 650, 650, uh, maybe send us your top 20. I, I might have to do this exercise in the break here, and I'll, I'll come back with my own 20, see if I can list off 20 guys. Because I, I, I feel definitely he's he's in that – 15 to 18 range right now. And, and I'm not trying to project on, on anything. It's like, this isn't talking about future growth. This is, he's winning playoff series. He's impactful in the playoffs and he's doing it game in, game out. He, he was very consistent on the point sheet. And yeah, the, the point totals aren't gaudy, but it's about more than that. It, it's, it's, I don't necessarily need a, a Miko Rantanen type player who's, who's able to, to fill up the score sheet. I, I need an overall impactful player. That's nothing about Mikko Rantanen. I think he's very talented. It just, he helps. He does the things that helps win games. And that to me is why he's in the top 20. Dunbar Lumber text line, Jake saying, Hey guys, the bottom line is he's putting the Canucks Jersey and he's a mint player. Uh, where the pundits place him is irrelevant. Jake, that's very true. Right. And that's, that's the thing with list, right? How do you look at it? And is he getting enough credit? We always hear, you know, the West Coast, you're never going to get that opportunity because of where he plays. Hey, that'll be different because he's going to be playing, what, only the home games in his time zone. There's going to be an awful lot of East Coast time games, 4 o'clock here, where those on the East Coast will see Pedersen a lot more, maybe appreciate him a lot more. Boy, we have gotten our doses of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, who yet to have appeared on this list. And I don't know, Bick, I are you going to be shocked if in the top 10 players in the NHL, according to this list, we see Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews in the top 10? Like the Leafs have two of the best in the top 10. I'll, I'll give it to Edmonton, but I think there might be people skewed because of the East going, oh, Mitch Marner's got to be there. They're paid like they're the highest. They've got to be the best. I, uh, I won't be shocked. I'll just be disappointed. Yeah. That's the way polls work. And if there's an Eastern bias to it, I'm not. Boy, Mitch Marner or Pedersen, who do you take? Oh, Pedersen. Not even a question, is there? Not for me. And no. I, I, I think Marner's a terrific player. It's just, I, I, I take the center. I take the guy that's fantastic defensively. It's just, it's not even close for me. 
Yeah. No, and, and I bet you we see Marner's name in the top ten. Uh, we'll get into some other things. Elliot Friedman talking about what is next. You know, we dealt with bubble hockey in the summer. Could we be going back there in January, considering uh, the state of flux we're in with the situation with the pandemic? Uh, Elliot spoke about it. We'll let you hear. On the home of hockey, the home of the Vancouver Canucks on a Tuesday, rainy Tuesday morning, period, Vic. Sports at 6.50. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 6.50. Seven forty-nine. Perry Smolkowski, Vic Dazar, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, getting you through this. Uh, Elliot Friedman was on our sister station in Calgary yesterday, and it's something that really hasn't been talked about um, a lot, other than yeah, January thirteenth is what they're shooting for. We know that there'll likely be a Canadian division, um, maybe upwards of nine games against opponents, and you'll be traveling, but. It seems like what's being talked about, and they are talking the NHLP and the NHLPA, the league and the PA, is, you know what, we may not be starting with that jump on a plane, go to Calgary, play a couple, jump on a plane, go to Winnipeg. In fact, uh, listen to L.A., here's this clip that, you know what, we might be in a bubble world to start this NHL season. Yeah, it's a, it's a temporary thing. It, it also, there, there's no desire to play fully this year in Hobbs. Mm. Eventually, these, these teams are going to end up in their own buildings. So, like, they'd start for two weeks, and, and you know, then we'll see. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So, there's no plan. And, and they wouldn't – and, you know, last year we called them bubbles because it was a full bubble. Mm-hmm. This year we're calling them hubs because it's not going to be a full bubble. And there's no desire to spend a ton of time with them. So, Vic, you changed the name, but it sounds like, you know, they want to keep, at least for the beginning, kind of players all hanging around one area rather than taking off and, and flying every third or fourth day. I, I understand it from, like, a, a medical point of view. I was, I was a big proponent of the bubble, and I thought the NHL did a great job in the summer and their return to play. Just the logistics of doing it over the course of a 48-game, 56-game season are so much more challenging, right? And we're talking prolonged stretches of time. I, I'm not sure it's, A, good for the players. You know, we're talking about player safety. We always think of that in terms of, you know, bruises and broken bones as far as day-to-day games. What about player safety as far as mental health, right? It's you want to be around your families. I don't like the idea of going away for two weeks and coming back for five days and then going away from two weeks. That constant road trip lifestyle to me is not necessarily conducive to your your the health of the players. And I think that hurts fan engagement. I'm not sure I want to see the Canucks play seven games in ten days and then we don't hear about them for six days. That, 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 that's not necessarily great for your product. Yeah. And so you can imagine a player as most of them are posting pictures on social media, say they're heading to their NHL city. So they're supposed to someone goes, well, so what's the schedule? Like, I don't know. Well, like, are you gone in that? But I don't know. So that's what you got to hammer out. I mean, this, this is a strong union that wants to play. We know that. And they're excited to play, but in what kind of format are they going to say, Hey, we're, we're going to a hub and the hub's going to be Edmonton, and I'm going to be there for 10 days, and we're coming back home. And I just I just think of all the things they have to deal with, there's so many. Looking at this schedule to go, all right, so here's what we're looking like. There's just news that I think a million vaccine shots were delivered in B.C. So how do they know what April looks like? You know, the, the way and how fluid everything's going to be. But you're right. 
and and our friend and colleague Corey Hirsch is always talking about the mental health component of it. You you have to know other than you're playing hockey, you got to know okay what and what's the scenario if so many ifs that they still have to answer. Yeah, and it was great that you know we had Todd Bertuzzi on earlier, and it's you know, different realities. We're talking about a, a lockout, but you know just that level of communication of how informed were players then and how informed are players now. It's you, you don't know until you know, and with it being a virus, it, it's the target is always moving. January thirteenth sounds great, and it, it's it's something that you build towards. It's something you work towards. To me, it's still best case scenario. Uh, yeah. this is going to evolve. You're going to find out new information in the next 24 hours, 48 hours. The, the vaccines just started arriving in cities just today. What does that look like in 10 days? Will, will, the, will the picture look different for everyone? So it, it's constantly changing and it changes the perspectives of players, of, of board of governors, of owners. Everything changes so quickly. Uh, as you say, communication is key. And Greg Ballack just texted me and says, hey, don't forget Chris Faber is here as well, helping me out. He's on the board right now while I go to McDonald's and get food. And then I'm going to walk <laughs> around the building and do nothing. Chris is in charge. All right, Greg, thanks for telling me that. Welcome aboard, Chris. Welcome aboard, everybody. Doesn't change the fact that it's Tuesday morning. Dan Murphy on the other side of things here. You are listening to Sportsnet 650. A Cup of Joe and the Canuck Commute. I do know that Vancouver has been in and out on Hamannick, and they were very interested in Hamannick before uh, they acquired Nate Schmidt. I still think they remain interested in Hamannick, but they probably don't have the flexibility salary-wise that they did before they traded for Schmidt. A five-star morning on the starting lineup. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like when a freezer just Eight o'clock in the home of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Sportsnet 650. Perry Solkowski, Bick Bazaar taking it to nine o'clock. Then Scotty Rintoul will come in with the Scott Rintoul show. Uh, that was Elliot Freeman yesterday, and something that's been discussed and and Sat Shaw boy is more than a month ago. Uh, tires being kicked, Bick, which I think every good GM in the NHL does when you look at where the deficit is for the Canucks, uh, helping on the blue line and adding some experience. Uh, still to this point would be great because you're going to have to fill that void with some kids stepping up. But do you think it's realistic? And would they spend that money if it became the Michael Furlan money to go after Travis Hammond? So that's my bigger question, right? It's not necessarily about the cap space. It's the cash available. Because I think the cap space can be created from exactly what you're talking about, Michael Furland. You know, that's a, a likely outcome that he goes on LTIR and it opens up the three and a half million, takes you below the cap, right? It's is there a willingness from ownership to spend? And this isn't a question about you know, not spending money or, or, or being cheap or anything. It's just the economic reality of the situation is, hey, with no fans coming in, with no gate revenues, the, the, the it's going to be a depressed market as far as what the NHL brings in for revenue. So what is our incentive to want to spend outside of just, you know, having that competitive team? There's got to be a return on an investment at some point. I just don't know if that's that sort of motivation is there from the Vancouver Canucks and really a, a bunch of NHL teams. Because, you know, as Sat reported, you know, back in October when free agency hit, uh, there, there wasn't a, a circling back of, on Travis Hamnick as things started to unfold in free agency. And as Elliot mentioning there, it's they're, they're in and out. You're, you're always checking in on the status. The, there is an obvious need though, Perry, on that bottom pairing to try to improve it. Yeah, it's great to say the kids are ready, 
for a team that I look at and say, okay, you made the playoffs, you're in the second round. Once you've confirmed you have superstars like Patterson and Hughes on your team, you've got to be making every effort possible to make the playoffs every single year. This is a 12-year run you're going to be looking at for Patterson and Hughes in their primes. you got to give them every chance, and you're only as strong as your weakest link. And right now, that bottom pairing, D, it's uh, it's it might prove to be a weak link for the Vancouver Canucks, and you don't want that problem to rear its ugly head at bad times during the year. I shouldn't be making a running analogy with Scott Rento following us, but it's like, you know, do you want to win a sun run or do you want to win a Boston marathon? We are about to have a shortened season and you, you kind of use it to train. You run 10 Ks if you're training to run a marathon. So I wonder, you you think about the Forbes financials came out on the NHL last mm-hmm. week and it said your Stanley Cup champions lost $10 million. So, sure, Francesco Aquilini and this fan base, you want the Canucks to be there and be a part of what's going to be a very tough Canadian division. But if they do get in, and if they're playing playoff hockey in June, it's not like he's reaping the financial benefits from it. No, he's not making any money. So do you put more cash into this year, or do you hold back Go whenever the off season is in August and you got a chance for free agents and you have some money off the books and say, now let's tackle that position because the door was open on the right side and guys didn't step through. We need some help. We need a veteran on the right wing. We need someone on the right side of defense and we have some money. And guess what? I have no problem investing that money, but because of where we are in this pandemic, I do know that 10,000 people will be in my building in October. And I do know if we're a hockey team, that's good enough to be in the playoffs. It'll be a full building come May and I'll be making two or $3 million a night. If this team is going to play hockey and go deep from a business standpoint, from a let's pull the chips into the middle of the table. I could see this being that, you know, this isn't a marathon. This isn't the normal season. So let's make it a season of opportunity, not of training, but I do think it could be the one step back to take two steps forward next year. Well, Perry, we're sitting here December 15th, you know, a month away from the projected start date. A lot can change in a month. What if there's a reality of, you know, the NHL looks at it and says, look, forget bubbles. We're going to play in our home arenas. And at some point, you're allowed 30% capacity. What does yep. that mean for playoff revenue, right? It's suddenly that changes the, the, the marker. So right now, if, if I had to bet, are the Canucks willing to spend more on free agency? Probably not. What You can ask me again on January 10th. That answer might be different because maybe we have a different idea of what the Rolo plan for fan attendance is. And if teams see that there's going to be some fans in the seats and some revenues coming in from the gates, that changes the motivations. That changes the the perspective for a bunch of teams. And suddenly the Mike Hoffmans and Travis Hamnicks of the world are going to get gobbled up. And a team like Vancouver, in that reality, when the economic picture is different, might change their stance. Well, and you still have some teams, you know, Las Vegas and Tampa, you know, they're still in a yep. mode of, wow, like we, we've got no room here. we got to figure out what to do with some players. And still I still have think... to sign guys to get under the cap, right? Yeah. Like, let alone trade some guys away to get under the cap. But they're still looking at Eric Karnak and Anthony Sorelli, two very important players that aren't signed. And they're sitting over the cap as of today. And so GMs go to the boss, the owners of the team, and say, what are we doing? And the, the owners are just, I'm not sure. Right. I mean, no one can have that answer. So I do think we always wait till trade deadlines. We always wait till free agent frenzy in the offseason to how you can change teams. I do think we will see some 
from good NHL players that because of salary cap and good NHL players that are sitting on the outside on sign right now because of the unknown financially that will be available to teams a month into the season where you, you know, we see it in the NFL, Bick, you see some guys they're holding out and, and then all of a sudden you've got an injured running back. And the next thing you know, you got a phone call coming. It might be that situation. If those players who are free agents can get over the fact that, you know, I'm not, this is going to be kind of a rent a player. I'm in that mode. I'll just sign a one-year deal. And then hopefully I'll be able to cash in next year in times are different. So I, I do think from a GM perspective, for Jim Benning, he's actually set it up right. All right, we're, we're not we're not loaded. We're not the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens can't wait to drop the puck. But Benning's going. I've got some. I've got some holes. They may be filled by some kids coming over from Europe. But if not, I I, I might you know I I'll likely have some money coming to me through Furland if we need to go there. And if not, I'm comfortable by what I'm going to put forth in what's going to be a very difficult Canadian division. I'm not necessarily saying it's the right thing to do because I would always rather just solve the problem. But if you go into the season with, you know, you Levy, Ben, Chatfield as your bottom pairing, the thing about this season that's different, of course, you know, shortened season, the motivations might change after game 15, game 20 across the league because then you're getting towards, you know, trade deadline. And maybe someone yeah. says, you know what, this depth player, we don't need him. Let's just trade him. That's something, you know, how you start the season is not necessarily how you go into the playoffs. So they, they can acquire the depth D man. It just, I would have it before the season starts. Well, you, you bring in the emotions, right? And then everything changes. Here's what we need. So we'll deal with that. Uh, Dan Murphy joins us on this uh, Tuesday morning. Finished his workout, his run, everything. Murph, a lot of people put on weight during COVID. Have you, have you gotten even better, better shape? Um, I've put on some, so it's been, you know, cause the gym, you have to book a time. And so before yeah. you could probably do weights and cardio. Now you have to pick one of the two. So I've been lazy. I haven't done much cardio, but I, I've been promising to incorporate more runs into my life. It just hasn't quite uh, manifested properly yet. So I have put on a little bit, but you know, whatever, I'm not too concerned about people, it. People at the gym, a little disappointed. I never hit that as top of the hour time. Like if I book two o'clock, I'm there. At, you know, sometimes I can't just be there at two. I'm there at ten after two. There's that period you're always late. Well, I don't need yeah. to work out for an hour today. I'm good for fifty minutes. Exactly. Like and um, I love but, uh, uh, if you if you don't love the idea of like warm your guest stop as they come on. And Perry's like, you uh, you getting fat during this pandemic? That's a great way to start it, Perry. I don't know. Listen, Murph. Murph is a guest in in word only. I, I can. I think you can have these these delicate conversations with Murph. Right? They can happen. Um, where would you sit? Do you think Dan is? A, you you might have heard that conversation. You know, uh, Elliot yesterday topping at Travis Hamanek. His name's been around. Yeah, they may have money to get it done. Would you do it, or do you think for Jim Benning and this organization? It kind of makes sense to hold off and see what you have this year, even if it might mean you're watching postseason hockey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we talked about this, Perry, like kind of in the off season, whenever that was, November, that this, you know, might be a season that you're not really punting on, but you're taking a wait and see approach. And clearly the GM wants to do it that way, right? He's mentioned every chance he, he's gotten, he's talked about the young players, it's time to incorporate them in. Uh, let's see what you have in your levy. Let's see if one of Rathbone or Rafferty or Chatfield can play. Uh, so I think the GM probably is taking that wait and see approach. I mean, depending on what they do with 
Berchi and uh, even Erickson for that matter, and Furlan, they could clear up enough space to sign uh, one or two players. Um, but I don't think the desire is there to spend much uh, from ownership. Um, and certainly if you were to ask Travis Green, what would he say? He'd say, yes, please get me Hamannick, because right now that third pairing is a huge question mark. I mean, if Chatfield isn't ready, he's going to have to play someone on his off uh, offside on that pair, and he's already got Nate Schmidt playing the offside. I don't think there's any desire from the head coach, but uh, this might be one in which the desires of the head coach are a little bit different than uh, the marching owners from ownership to the general manager. Uh, Merv, what do you use the biggest question then uh, for the Canucks in the next month here that, that needs to be solved? Is it that third pairing? Is it Travis Green's contract status? Uh, what's the biggest burning question for you? Well, I think it's probably the, the, the top six uh, winger spot that was vacated by Tyler Toffoli. I mean, I think that for me is is the biggest question mark with probably um, the third pairing next and Green third. I mean, because uh, Green has a contract for this year. I mean, it, the, no matter what happens, he's still going into this season with a deal. Clearly, he'd like one. I don't understand why it hasn't been done yet. You'd think that it would be a, a relatively easy uh, one to get done. But but again, maybe it's uh, a money thing, and they still don't really know what next season is going to look like, uh, what, what will happen in terms of fans and stands and stuff. So uh, we believe that it'll be back to normal, but who knows? So... Um, I would say probably the the second uh, line right wing as it stands now, if we are putting the lotto line together, um, I would say to me that's the biggest uh, question mark uh, that this team has because, um, you yeah, know, I mean, I think they were they were right up there in scoring last year, even before they picked up to Foley, but uh, that was due in large part to a red, red-hot power play for most of the season. And I just don't know if they have the depth of scoring in the top six at this point. Uh, Dan Murphy joining us uh, on the starting lineup, Perry Solkowski and Vic Nazar. I don't know if you heard us. We were talking to Bert earlier. Um, well, I just brought up the fact that when you're dealing with 700 players, they, the odds would be, even though it's that hockey mentality, that there is going to be a veteran or two that will, uh, although not talked about right now, eventually will just say, you know what, I'm going to step back this year and I hope to continue my NHL career in September. You think it happens? I don't know. Uh, we've seen in lockout years, the veterans, it's kind of spelled the end of some guys' careers. And I don't know if anyone's going to want to take, uh, you know, a season off. Um, unless, of course, there's no contract to be had. Um, but I think most guys are going to want to play, even if you're a veteran, because if you take a, a season off, um, that's a real dangerous thing to do as someone that's getting up there in the second half of your career. So um, I, I don't see that happening. But, you know, once they do announce for sure the return to play, if it's going to be the, the 13th for sure, uh, they figure out what they're doing with the taxi squads, etc. cetera, then I think, think you'll probably see some of these last chips fall into place. Uh, but as Bick was saying, like teams like Tampa need to figure their stuff out. Uh, so they're still, once things set, I think then you're going to start to see the GMs try to put the puzzle pieces together. Uh, perhaps a couple of these big-name free agents will still uh, get signed, albeit the short-term deal. So... Um, I, I think we'll still see some movement. Yeah, we'll have to uh, because we're less than a month away here. Uh, Murph, it's a day that ended in Y, so Canucks fans were mad at a list. Uh, NHL uh-huh. Network uh, ranking Pedersen, 38th best player in the league. Uh, I was adamant that he's in the top 20. Is that a fair mm-hmm. statement? I would say top 20 for me is fair. 
Uh, I think it's 38 is probably uh, stretching it a little bit. Uh, he should be higher than that. But again, I don't, I mean, I don't get mad at lists, whatever. Someone made it up and you look at it and it doesn't make it fact. So, um, and in fact, you know, like I'm not concerned about it, but you know what, know who might be? Elias Pedersen might look at that and say, F you, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show you I'm better than 38 in the league. And certain guys use those types of things as motivation. Uh, motivation. I would suspect that he is one of them. So I don't put too much into lists. I think they're a lot of fun. I think they are for sure the best way to get fan bases engaged. And by engaged, I mean angry. Um, So I I do, you know, the notion of lists is silly, but I think the amount of conversations that they drive uh, makes them totally worth it, especially when they're a little bit controversial. No, it's not a bad thing for three-hour talk shows to have lists to talk about. I do agree with you. I think Pedersen, who's gotten a little more savvy with social media, sees that list, and it is, and, and you would know him better than most, Murph, is one of those guys that go, really? Uh, you just pissed me off. I'll show you. I'll top 10 how you go up there. Where, where does he need to improve in his game next year? What do we have to see different from number 40? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I've been – I think for the most part, I've been uh... – I don't know if I want to say pleasantly surprised with the strides he's made year after year, uh, whether it's got a little more size, whether it's been uh, a little harder on the puck, whether it's been using his body to engage, uh, to create contact. Uh, we've seen that with kind of the reverse hits. Um, you know, he worked on his shot after his uh, first season as one-timer. Uh, I think this is truly a guy where, you know, uh, he, he just doesn't rest. He's always looking to improve. I would think probably his skating is something in terms of uh, top-end speed. Uh, he would like to improve a little bit or his quickness, but um, I have zero doubts that this guy is working on the things he has to work on. And, uh, you know, like Beck, I think he's probably top 20 in the league. I, I think that this is the season we'll see him be a point-per-game player um, because I think the Canucks are going to have to rely so heavily on him uh, again in that top line. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about him, you know, finding uh, the parts in his game that need to be better. And there's not many. Uh, <laughs> sounds like you had a couple that you wanted to point out there. Um, you know, as we get ready here, we're, we're a month away from when we think we might get going here. Uh, do you feel renewed optimism here this week? Just because it feels like players are coming back and they want to get going here. As far as what yeah. might happen in a getting set to, to come back to play, do you feel like January 13th is is doable or is it going to be later to you? To you? I always felt it was going to be like a week later or maybe the start of February, but it certainly seems like there is traction with this. And, and I will say this, Perry Bick, if they do say that's the date we're, we're going to have and then January the 3rd is training camp, well, then all those guys who thought they per- perhaps could stay home for Christmas are going to have to come to Vancouver by the end of this week. And I think yeah. Brock Besser is driving, so I think he'll have to make his way south of the border until he gets to Seattle. Come on up and uh, start his 14-day quarantine. Um, so I, I think guys are, are waiting, and their plans are going to have to come uh, together rather quickly if indeed they say January 3rd camp, January 13th, start of the season, let's go. Because then uh, guys will need to be back pretty much at the start of next week uh, to get that two weeks in uh, before camp starts. And I don't know what um, the provincial uh, health people will say about it. Remember in the return to play in, in summer, they were able to have the rink as part of their quarantine so they could skate, go back to their hotel, and then sit alone, uh, skate with their groups that were also quarantining. I don't know if that is an option right now, 
so all these things I think uh, are up in the air and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how quickly uh, it can come together. If indeed they do say, all right, it's set January 13th is first game of the season. Yeah. Uh, you, literally like the, I would think you're jumping in a car and you've got to be here before the weekend to go, okay, how is it going to look? And, and Murph, we don't know what uh, Dr. Henry's going to say right now. It doesn't look like the NHL is getting any passes. I'm with you. I always thought, and I believe we have it on tape. I said, you know, maybe January 20th. I just don't think yeah. you can rush into it. And Elliot said, why would you rush into the eye of the storm if you can buy yourself another week and it doesn't change a whole bunch of things? Yeah, I agree. And I think the one thing, though, is you want to make sure there is enough runway there before the Olympics set. If you hit snags, and I think we see with the NFL, it's almost inevitable you are going to have some snags that you have times to, you know, play postpone games and such. Uh, because if you're already going to have a, a schedule that's, uh, you know, all crammed together, you better make sure that you can find a way to finish it uh, and get into the playoffs at a, you know, the select time so you can get done before the Olympics. So, um, well, yes, I'm with you. I think that probably the 20th makes more sense right now. Uh, they also know they have to leave some empty dates for games that I think are almost for sure going to be postponed because of the pandemic. Thanks, my friend. Uh, you sounded a little bit out of breath, so uh, hit the cardio. <laughs> I need it. But, you know, it's, it's December. You know, I think I might treat myself and worry about in January. Hey, man, I hear you. January 2nd is my day. I am taking advantage of everything. Thanks, Murph. Have a good day, bud. All right, boys. Take care. Uh, there is Dan Murphy from Dan Murphy on, on a lot of the unknown. Uh, we go to the News 1130 newsroom. The budger. <laughs> Sonia Aslam joins us. Hello. Hello, morning boys. I need a new nickname. All right. What? <laughs> you don't like the budger? No, I, I don't think like the budger. budger. Works. No, I'm good. I'm good. Let's That's just... like rule one. Don't don't critique people on your own nickname. Because then we're just gonna <laughs> double down on it. Thanks, Vic. <laughs> yeah. People text in and they love the budger. Really? Right? You oh. have the honey badger, you could be the honey budger. I know. I kind of thought that too. I'm like, I don't want people to think budger and badger is the same. But at this point, with all my pandemic finger wagging, it sort of is. So, yeah. There was a lot of support in the uh, 650, 650 uh, Dunbar Lumber text line yesterday for the budger. So, oh, okay. You know what? If we people can, are on board. Yeah. If we can go from somber Sonia to budger, it's really just a step up, I guess. Yeah, and and we throw the honey in there, the the, the sweetness that you bring. That's right. Uh, listen, you guys are you're always working there, but there's some development going on right now uh, about the vaccine. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to the BC vaccine in just a second, but Moderna, which is the other big vaccine that we're waiting for approval, it is. We're waiting for Justin Trudeau. He's going to speak in about ooh, eight minutes in Ottawa, and it's then when he's going to announce allegedly that Moderna. It's it hasn't been approved yet, but as soon as it's approved. Within 48 hours, it will be on the ground and in provinces across this country. And that uh, approval is supposed to come down in the next few days or the next couple weeks. So before year's end, for sure. So um, that's huge because the difference between the Pfizer vaccine that is being given out right now and the Moderna vaccine is the Moderna vaccine is much more easier to handle in terms of it doesn't have to be kept at you know below minus 70. It's easier to transport. It's easier to get to different provinces and the territories. So this is really you know the savior vaccine that we're waiting for as the Pfizer one is slowly rolled out. And that was rolled out. We saw some, you know, Cases, uh, so some vaccines issued yesterday, yeah. uh, across the pro or across the nation, yeah. As far as NBC, 
Uh, first one's expected today. Today, finally, remember when we were just like pandemic and everything's sad and now it's like, yes, there's a little glimmer of hope and this is it. Uh, vaccines in BC, there's about uh, just under 4,000 that are in the province right now. They will be uh, inoculating uh, healthcare workers in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region and the Fraser Health Region. Those are the two uh, most hardest hit regions so far, especially Fraser Health. Case numbers there have not dropped. They're not going down. They're still well over a thousand um, uh, a day or every couple of days. So um, yeah, it's today. We'll start to see those be rolled out. And then this is the first round of getting these vaccines. And then in the next couple of days, we'll get more and more. And then really the hope is Moderna gets approved quickly by Health Canada. And then as soon as we can get that on the ground, even better, we'll have another option. When they were uh, talking, uh, Sonia Aslam joins us, when they were talking about uh, projections as to, you know, you might have your shots in the summer, depends on your demographics, your age. Was that with Moderna being given the okay too? Like, yeah, this isn't going to speed anything up, is it, Sonia? Like, it's not like, hey, guys, we're all going to be okay by May. No, and this I don't think anyone changed. should think that. Like, I think that's really complacent. And I know that Dr. Bonnie Henry said the same thing. You know, she was very emotional um, yesterday when she announced that finally vaccines are in the province. But this is still a long road. Um, but no, that those projections of when we'll get them doesn't change. That was keeping in mind that we'll have at least the approval of two vaccines by the end of December, if not by early, early, early January. So keeping that stuff in mind, yeah, is the fact that it's healthcare workers and whatnot for the first couple months, and then it's first responders and so forth, people who are high risk, people who are seniors, you know, 70 plus, 80 plus, and then everyone else is at the end of the line, which is by next fall, everyone should be able to get one. Well, I think that's an important thing to point out, too, because I think people just think of, okay, what are all the hurdles for the logistics of this vaccine rollout? But the biggest thing that you can do is our own vigilance has to stay consistent. Oh, for sure. And that's what I was saying. Like, I, had, I think I said it here last week or the week before where, you know, I think people hear the word vaccine and BC and they're like, everything's better. I can take off my mask and hug everyone and lick a doorknob. And you're like, please don't do any of that. Please keep following all the rules. And the province has been very, very clear that nothing changes just because we have a vaccine. All the rules that are in place, you know, Christmas is sort of not happening um, and everyone has to wear a mask and you have to, you know, stay six feet apart. All those things that we're doing, all those public health orders will stay in place because just because we have a vaccine, transmission is still really, really high. Until that goes down and we see control in numbers, nothing changes. So yay vaccine, but, you know, sad because numbers are still super high context <laughs> thank you you're welcome uh, the law and order music do we have that there ballot or favor but they don't have it gosh no I love they're the just hanging out no no i'm watching Talk them to right the now. guys there sonia i am i'm staring at them mcdonald's just came in the so. budger sonia oh. aslam thank you for this thanks have a boys great day. see you later there you are, bringing us up to date. How are the guys, Bick? Come on, how are the guys not with Law and Order after she's done all the time? I feel like I've been cleansed with all the information I need every time we finish with Sonia. And so it's Law and Order. Yeah, I think it was Law and Order. You know, the dum dum dum, like a bit no, of I, age, I, right? Isn't no, that? Look, I, I know the song. I just don't know how that fits with the uh, with, with Sonia. I, I feel like the Equalizer, like the theme song from that, might be. 
I don't know, but here's a shock. Balak just completely threw Faber under the bus. It's 100% <laughs> him. It's nothing to do with me. I'm barely working today. Put it on the new guy. I'm in line at McDonald's. Yeah, I'm not even near the shop. In fact, I'm on my way home listening to you guys. Go to break because it's 826. Yeah. You know what, Vic? There's always now. She's gone. There's always a tomorrow to hit this. Iron it out. Look, sometimes a power play doesn't work, and you got to get back to morning skate, and you're thinking, all right, here we go. We're we're against Anaheim tonight. We'll go five for five, and uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's a big day for us. Yeah, well, you know what? It it appears like the guys back at the shop just went full John Tortorella and didn't even show up to the morning skate. <laughs> Take a break. Terrible. The big man, Todd Bertuzzi, on the other side. It's Perry. It's Bick. It's Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Well, Perry and Vic this week, uh, James enjoying some time off. Vic, uh, man, you love your NFL, as do I. We heard Chris Wall saying, you know, one of the all-time best Monday nighters. Let me ask you this. Would you rather buy stock in Buffalo or Cleveland over the next three or four years? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I would rather buy stock in Buffalo. I'm going to make my uh, good friend in program cohort, uh, Satshaw, angry but i'd rather buy a stock in buffalo is that because like i don't know how do how do the browns keep their backfield together right i i think the browns are not gonna say they're better now they they need to be better defensively but mm-hmm. yeah i uh it was a great football game last night i mean it had absolutely everything and the fact that you know to me when you're watching the end of it and baker mayfield goes okay you got a couple of timeouts you got less than two minutes you should if you're the guy drive him down the field problem is he did it too quick but yeah, I mean, if I'm in Buffalo and even if I'm in Cleveland, I'm going, man, finally, these football teams are here for a while. I will say, though, if you were a Cleveland Browns fan, yeah, you lost that game, right? It's a, It was a massive game. You wanted to beat your rivals and all that. But my biggest thing was, could you answer the question of when we take a punch, we can punch back? And when they were down 14, they mm-hmm. came back and took a lead. And I think that speaks to more about, yeah, you lost, but that's a good loss. And if you're, if come playoff time, now I know that the, the, the Browns are ready for the playoffs, despite yeah. losing that game. They're ready. No, I agree. I, I think they, they will look at that loss and go, that was still a step forward. Um, and, and social media last night, immediately after the loss, anybody that you follow on social media found that they're got gambling issues. Oh my God, I can't believe it. The safety killed me. Uh, I just couldn't believe a lot of people going, what, what happened? I thought they won by three. Uh, didn't work out that way. What was fun to watch was Lamar Jackson, how good he was. Todd Bertuzzi joins us at seven o'clock this morning. And I kind of asked him, Lamar, just when he was running yesterday, just said, wow, that was done so easy. I asked the big man, Hey, can you compare someone you played against or with that just made it look that simple? Uh, I'd probably say for me, I would probably say Sergey Fedorov. Uh, everything looked in slow-mo like he was flying around. Um, he was slippery. He was, uh, deceptive. He could skate backwards as fast as he can skate forward. That's why he played D for a while there too. I'd say he's probably one of the most underrated dynamic smooth operators of the game. 
the term I've always heard when, when relating conversation about Fedorov is like savant, just just knew how to do everything on the ice. And you're talking about him playing defense. Is, is that a fair assessment? Just the smartest guy on the ice every time? Oh, yeah. Well, he's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, I don't know how many guys you can actually put in different positions in hockey, to be honest with you. I think <laughs> you hear sometimes some defensemen have tough time being a right-hand shot playing on the left side. Well, there wasn't a position that Fedorov couldn't play, and there's we have a lot of those athletes. But asking that question, I would say absolutely. He was smooth off the ice and on the ice and uh, very competitive, but he just operated at a different uh, a different speed, and uh, that's what made him a Hall of Famer and uh, an Bert, outstanding player. You talk about Lindstrom, and I guess the simple equation would be the greats and arguably some of the greatest – make it look the easiest because that was Nick Lidstrom looked like, I don't know, is this game going to go 120 minutes? Cause I'll stay on the ice if you want. It didn't look hard. Yeah. I've been, you know what, I've been fortunate. I played with a lot of guys like that. Lidstrom, uh, Scotty Niedemeyer up in Anaheim, just the, I don't know, man, they're just built differently. They're never tired. Everything that they do is effortless and smooth. They look good doing it all. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've had. I, there, there's been some uh, Pavel Datsuk made the game easy. Like that's the weird part with Datsuk that it's going to end up getting. I don't know if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame or I don't know if he's going to get the accolades he deserves. But the game came extremely easy for him. I think unfortunately, but fortunately, he won a cup. But unfortunately, playing in Detroit, it's um, very defensive-minded first, and him playing center. Uh, he did a lot of the heavy lifting and a lot of the work. Offensively, I don't think his numbers were anywhere near where they should have been with his talent level. He was that good. But Detroit won cups playing a 200-foot game uh, sooner and quicker and better than everyone else. Uh, but uh, he's another guy who was just cool under pressure. Zetterberg, same thing. He was very – he didn't look fast, but he was fast. He got the job done always. He was very smooth on his skates, very effortless, and came up big in Big Ten games. So there, there's, uh, there's a lot that I played with, actually. Todd Bertuzzi joining us here in the starting lineup. Uh, you mentioned a couple of guys there, Datsuk and Zetterberg, uh, players who often get comp to Elias Pettersson. And you're right, uh, those players don't ever get the accolades they deserve. And it's already seemed like seeming like it's happening with Elias Pettersson. Yesterday, NHL Network uh, ranking him as the 38th best player in the league. I posited uh, he should be closer to top 20. Uh, 38th, do you agree or disagree? I looked at the list. Um, I kind of disagree. I think I, I think he should be where you guys are thinking he should be. Um, there were some guys on the list that Hey, listen, if you're on that list, you're obviously freaking really good. Who am I to critique you being the top 50 best players in the league? Uh, not to toot my own horn. At some point in time, I was too. So I wouldn't want anyone else criticizing my game. But I believe that uh, I, I believe that there's – it's – I don't know. It's Sometimes just playing on the West Coast, you don't get the kind of exposure um, that you do on the East Coast with a lot of the players and all that. But at the same time, you do have the Connor McDavid's and all that, and I just feel like the West at some point in time is going to start getting a lot more brighter and a lot more uh, exposure. It seems like Toronto, Montreal, New York, Philly, these kind of places get a lot more exposure than uh, than they do out in Vancouver. And, and in the West, you have to be a very successful team and a powerful team in order to get that kind of exposure. But 
No, I'm with you guys on that. I think he should be a lot lower than that. But at the same time, that's a pretty positive uh, situation for the Canuck fans to have someone uh, uh, on that uh, on that depth chart. Um, humor me. I'm sure you were on the top 50 list for several years. Do you remember where where you were calculated? What what position they put you in? No, you know, I didn't really read that much into that kind of stuff. I don't know. You get, I, you know what, Per? Honestly, I was cleaning out my because uh, I moved home, so I was cleaning out my uh, stuff, and I ended up coming across a whole bunch of memorabilia stuff and all that, and a whole bunch of magazines and all that, and I just, I, I actually saw magazines where they had the hockey news top 50 and i had uh, a handful of articles from different years and all that kind of stuff so I, I didn't really look thoroughly through it i just saw it and put it back in its box and put it back on the shelf but uh i don't think guys really look at that i think everyone has uh, a lot of respect for each other's games and that's not something that guys really care too much about well, and and, and, and big man, you were in a different time, right? You weren't looking at your phone and seeing social media. But I've got no, to think had, that Pedersen that Pedersen looks at that at 38th and goes, you know what? I'm not the 38th best player in the league. I think I'm a top 15 guy, and I'll prove it to you this year. You, could you see him using it as motivation? Oh, uh, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can use as motivation like that. There was tons I used throughout my career to motivate me to kind of shove it up certain people's opinion or or GMs that I was with that let me go. I think uh, motivation and that kind of motivation is good for you. It, uh, it can, it can bring you from a top 40 player to a top 10 player, just that alone. But there's a lot of great players on that depth chart reading it over. And I think like we spoke a long time ago, our game's in a very, very good uh, place right now. We have a lot of uh, extremely talented superstars and I think the more that we can get into the mainstream and become more of a culture get uh, get a different kind of fan base out there and all that I think uh, the sky's the limit as far as getting our sport to where it needs to be hey you're uh, pulling some memorabilia there do you have more of your own stuff or is it uh, stuff around the league well I got I got everything I um, just over the years, just with magazines, cards, sticks, and all that, I got uh, I got quite the collection that sits uh, in boxes. And uh, I don't know, collects dust. I'm not a guy who decorates my house with memorabilia stuff and all that. So everything's been pretty much cleaned, wrapped, tucked away and all that for, for a rainy day or for my kids or I don't know. There's people that like that kind of stuff, but they're over give them an opportunity to see it. But I got uh, sticks from a whole bunch of players throughout the league that I played against. And then uh, all articles and magazines from the hockey news and all that kind of stuff. I got a lot of old, old stuff. Wayne Gretzky rookie card went for a million dollars last week. Do you have Todd Bertuzzi rookie cards? I got tons of Todd Bertuzzi's rookie cards. And I think all of them combined wouldn't even break over a hundred bucks right now. But that's But I love seeing that though. How cool is that that we have a hockey player that has card went for a million, over a million dollars? Yeah. You hear the Jordans, the LeBrons, and all this kind of stuff. I uh, I always loved hearing uh, other hockey players' success as far as uh, popularity and all that kind of stuff. And he was the greatest player to ever play the game. But it was very cool to hear that his card went for that. 
And that was Todd Bertuzier from uh, the 7 o'clock hour, Bertuzday. Uh, and, Bick, you know, I'm thinking as I listen back to that and we briefly got into memorabilia, what's the one real piece of memorabilia that I have? Although in a shed by the lawnmower behind the bikes, Todd Bertuzzi hockey stick. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a weird spot. I've got my uh, one piece of memorabilia nearby me kind of next to my washer and dryer. So that's probably not a great thing either. It's, and what uh, it's a Dana Merzen uh, stick. Very, very good. I I needed a stick to go play men's hockey. Uh, I think we were playing in the morning, and I wasn't going to be able to go to the store and uh, had covered the game. And so I went up to him and said, I need a stick. And uh, he uh, swore at me about my incompetence as an athlete, I think as a journalist and everything under the sun. But as uh, he was swearing at me, we were walking to the stick rack. And then in the typical Bert was... I don't know. This one's better. Take this one. It's better. How so, come he hasn't asked you for a back yet? Uh, he probably wouldn't remember that story. I've used it a few times, so it would be one of those composites. But yeah, there's uh, not a lot to it. But uh, Todd Bertuzzi with his thoughts on on what's going on in Pedersen. And you know what? There was a time you want to put together your your top 20 in the NHL when the big man was flying. He was exactly that. Uh, Scott Rintoul ahead. We'll give you some final thoughts as to what's going on at 8.45 on a Tuesday morning right here in the home of the Canucks. Sports at 6.50. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, I don't know if we've had that discussion, Bick, on this show. When do we bring in the uh, holiday music? Good question. Uh, you know, I worked at some small town stations where it was just like. November 20th, here we go. It's, it's, you slowly mix it in like once an hour, twice an hour, and then all day long. So uh, I'm open to it, right? It's, as long as it's a slow rollout. We're 10 away. I'd like to hear the uh, note to Balak and Faber. I wouldn't mind the, was it last year or two years ago that Jim Robson came up with the uh, little drummer boy? You remember that? That Jim sang with his son, uh, his son over in Europe recording it. And Jim's got a good voice. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, uh, that wouldn't be bad that we can play. Well, that's on the, the wish list for tomorrow. Make a list, Perry. Check it twice, all right? Uh, well, we'll do exactly that. Hey, I want to remind you, by the way, hoops are back. The countdown to tip-off is brought to you by Denny's. Get a holiday turkey. Speaking of Christmas, turkey dinner for four, starting at just $59.99, visit denny's.ca. So that's where it works. A little Christmas music, and you can get a little Christmas dinner at Denny's for $459.99. Uh, speaking of numbers, it was the number was the poll question. Where does Pedersen fit NHL coming up with their uh, network, coming up with their, hmm, your number 40 player is just a little better than that. We gave him the poll question, Vic. What are the final results? What do Canuck fans think? Is he a top 10 player in the NHL? Or are the they old, where he is? Overwhelming support between 11 and 20. So a top 20 player, like I've been saying all morning, 52.9% uh, of people as it stands voting uh, for top 20. Top 30 sitting at 19.7%, top 45%. Uh, but there is a, a share of people, 22.3, saying he's a top 10 player already in the NHL. 
and you know what? I'm I'm glad that the majority sit top 20. I thought when we put this out, we were just going to be... That, to me, proves Canucks fans. All right, Les, it is rose-colored glasses, but there's some logic to it. He's not one of the top 10 guys in the NHL. He's just on the outside of it. Now, we might be able to have this conversation at this time next year and go, yeah, he's there, and he will be there for a while. So uh, we will see what the situation is. Has uh, Rain's going to stick around, but you know what? Don't worry about it. It's Vancouver. We know how to deal with it. Vic, a lot of fun again. No football tonight. That's okay. I'm gonna be sad. I'm gonna be sad, but uh, just gonna have to uh, deal with it. Get ready for week 15, man. We're almost at the end of the year. It goes by so quickly. I know, and uh, I've got to check at it. I've uh, I've made it to the semifinals of the Sportsnet 650, which uh, doesn't mean anything because, as you know, guys never pay up anyways. It's flawed. I know. It is flawed, but it seems good. Hey, everybody, Scott Rintoul is up next. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.